Welcome to the Renegade Detroit Investor Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Jeremy Burgess. I've been investing in real estate since 2005. Started in Pullman, Washington, 2007 in May. My wife and I moved to the city of Detroit to really, really take off in our uh, real estate career. Um, for those of you who maybe never been to Renegade Detroit Investors, this is the first time coming on the podcast. Renegade Detroit Investors started as, and it still is, a local networking group. And it's kind of like a RIA, but it's a little different in that uh, there's no sales from the front ever. And there's a big emphasis on deal flow and on networking. We usually meet once a month, the first Tuesday of the month. Uh, for those of you who are interested, you can go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors. We post there when the next meeting is. Um, next meeting will be in September. Uh, you can also go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. We post on Meetup and Facebook when the next meeting is going to be. And also you just go to renegadedetroit.com. Um, the website has not been updated in a long time, but it will be at some point in time. So I know this video is going to be out there forever and this audio for those listening on iTunes. And go ahead and give me a follow um, on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. So without further ado, for our quote of the day, which I think is a, it's kind of a longer quote, but I think it's appropriate for what we're doing today. So this quote, and I'm probably going to butcher his name. Was Randy Posh from the last lecture? I don't know if anybody watched that. You can go on YouTube and watch it. Randy Posh from the last lecture. And he said, I'm an optimist, but when trying to make a decision, I often think of the worst case scenario. I call it the eaten by wolves factor. If I do something, what's the most terrible thing that could happen? Would I be eaten by wolves? One thing that makes it possible to be an optimist is you have a contingency plan. For when all hell breaks loose, there are things, a lot of things I don't worry about because I plan in place if they do. And that's by Randy Posh, the last lecture. And I thought it was appropriate since uh, you're now an insurance man. And insurance is an integral and vital part of real <laughs> estate. And uh, there are a lot, a lot of things not worth worrying about. And if you get insurance, you don't have to worry about them as much. But enough about me. And the quote, something to think about. Uh, let me get an introduction of my friend Chris Mosier. Now, when Gene and I moved to Detroit in May 2007, Chris Mosier was one of the first people we met. And we actually met at Rhea McComb. Rhea McComb. Back when it was still Nate and Dylan. Yeah. And where were they at? They were in the hotel, weren't they? It was the hotel it there? It was uh, Royalty House. Royalty House. Uh, I believe. Yeah, so about a month after you moved, I think here. Really? I yeah. swear it was. We were we were still wet behind the ears, I think. We were still living in a hotel waiting for our condo to close that never closed. Anyway, that's when we first met Chris Mosier. Um, Chris Mosier has been an entrepreneur his entire life. He's owned several businesses. Um, he had a commercial printing business for 20 plus years. But the last eight years, um, he started up his own company. He's been in the insurance industry, and then for part of the last eight years, he started up his own uh, his own company, Simplified Insurance Agency, and in a small amount of time, kind of consolidated a, a good sized chunk of all the local investors and got their business. Um, also, you have one son who will soon be twenty one, Charlie. My God, in three days. Wow. 
We're, we're all getting older. <laughs> Time flies. Um, you're also quite a bit of an outdoor guy, too. A part of the scouts for over 10 years, assistant scoutmaster. And um, Trout Unlimited, you're on the board. Three, was four on the board. Years, yep. Was on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, help with that. You do a lot of fly fishing, a lot of hiking, a lot of running, that kind of thing. And um, actually, we'll get to it. You've been sailing, in real estate. Sailing, sailing gardening. Gardening, sailing. farming. We do a lot of farming <laughs> stuff. And more importantly, you've been in real estate and doing real estate deals for years. So we're going to have lots of insurance questions, too. But we're also going to talk about real estate because... We can't help ourselves. So, <laughs> thank you, Chris. I appreciate you sitting down for this podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Um, my pleasure. I got I got some questions here. Well, I, quick question. I what I was not. I didn't own a commercial printing company. I was an independent rep for twenty years for in commercial printing. Okay, but I, I have owned other businesses, including in the fly fishing industry. So, lots, lots of, lots of knowledge. So, just. How did you end up in insurance? Here wow, the yeah, that's um, that's really what matters. Is how did you end up here right now? It's interesting. Uh, well, real estate. I've been involved in real estate since I was twenties. In my twenties, buying, living in mainly uh, houses and and um, and turning them over, renovating, turning them over. And I built a new house as well. But um, I was in I, my own business in the, in the fly fishing industry, uh, manufacturing business. Uh, machine shop. We made um, OEM stuff for uh, uh, Bass Pro Shop. We had our own line of fly fishing reels, oh, machined wow. aluminum fly fishing reels. And uh, we had a shop in northern Michigan. We moved up there, built a new shop. And in fact, my partner and I cleared the land ourselves uh, to build the shop. Uh, so I like chainsaws too. Um, and then uh, that kind of even imploded. I had some problems with uh, partners and 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 some other uh, issues but i got out of that business and i didn't know what i was doing i did some freelance commercial sales because i was always in sales and uh and uh, i met a guy that owned a independent insurance agency with a few uh, locations and uh and um he spelled out this plan for his business plan and asked me what I thought, and I thought it was a good plan. He wanted to get more into the commercial end and and uh, and of insurance, and I said, "Well, that's great. Why you why are you showing this to me?" He said, "Because I need a guy like you to help me do it." And I said, "Well, I don't know boo about insurance," and he said, "It doesn't matter. You can learn that." So I went to work for the guy. And I helped him with his eight agents he had um, developing commercial. And at that time, I had an interest in real estate. So I started dragging some of these agents uh, to some Rio meetings uh, and then going myself uh, to try to expand that. And um, the agency owner, actually, he, he, he closed his agency here. Uh, bought another agency in Kalamazoo, and actually now he's out in uh, San Diego. Oh, wow. Uh, and he's doing much what I'm doing <laughs> out in San Diego. Um, but at that time, I didn't know what to do, and I, I, I saw the interest. And this was in 2008. Well, we all know what happened in 2008. Yeah. And, and uh, so I said, well, I said, I see an opportunity here, and I see what we can do, I'm going to go ahead and uh, open my own agency. 
But I had gotten licensed and went to school and got licensed in insurance when I was working for him. But uh, I opened my own insurance agency in, in 2008. And shortly thereafter, um, decided that I was going to uh, primarily focus my business model on investment real estate. And uh, it has been quite fruitful. It's, it's grown. Um, 99% of my business now is... Uh, referral. I was going to say, what what about working with real estate investors attracted you, or what about the model uh, that attracted you to the model? Well, I tell you what. Obviously, the model, um, the opportunity was there um, with the amount of foreclosures and bankruptcies going on, the the flood of the properties on the market. Um, uh, I had always had had a interest in real estate before that, and I, I saw these opportunities, and um, I like real estate investors. Real estate investors think a lot like I do. It's a diverse group of people, um, and and they're you know the there's no pretense with real estate investors in many cases. You know you get you see what you get. You know. And they're an interesting group of people, and they're entrepreneurial, and I'm entrepreneurial, and I'm interested in real estate. Um, so that's really what led me into that. Into that. So you just basically said, okay, there's this opportunity, real estate market screwed. Investors, we're, they're just going to grow. They're going to buy as much of this as they can, and a way for you to be a part of it is just they're going to need insurance, they're going to be expanding. I can get a piece of that business. And you already thought like them, so you thought you stood a better chance. And nobody was really specifically going after them either, right? Correct. Correct. There really wasn't. There was a lot of general agencies out there that did some rental properties and some commercial and rental properties and home and auto. Um, Actually, I should probably do a full disclosure here, just so everybody knows. Chris does have my insurance business. (laughs) So I have there's for a bias. many there's a years. Reason why he made it really easy, and he knows how investors think. And I don't know if you've ever gone to Miss Midwest, thirty-five year old. Oh, gee, golly whiz! I don't know what you're talking about. You're going to be rehabbing the property, and you're trying to get insurance. And oh, we can't cover a rehab or a roof, or and you got to fill out paperwork six times, and it's not ready for the closing. Or so he, Chris really did make it easy. But I should probably say that. He's had my insurance business since 2007, I think, or eight. Um, I don't. I don't there. know of any client that has come to me because I look good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't look bad. You know, I'm not bad, but um, you know, because I understand um, where they're at. I think, and that's it. And I and I don't. My priorities have changed over the years. You know, too. Um, I uh, um, financial. Strength and growth is important to me, but just as important these days is my mental and my physical growth. Yeah, we're definitely going to get to that. So too, we'll get you're to one that. of the guys who inspired me to take better care yeah. of my physical and, health. And I think we're kind of a testament to to my philosophy, and I think it, it reinforces it in me is that I have had people that come to me and. You know, maybe have an other insurance, and I'll look at it. They'll ask me questions. I will advise them on it, and then I'll say, you know what? Until they raise your rates, you've got a good product there. Just keep shut up and pay the bill. 
And they'll say, well, aren't you going to try to get my business? I said, I don't think I can, you know, if you're looking strictly for price, I can't beat it, you know, and you have good coverage. I'm happy to, you know, explain the coverage you have and, and options. I don't know if your president agent has done that. So I've had people that come to me like that and they'll keep the insurance they have for a while, but then they refer someone to me. Yeah. They don't refer someone to the guy that they have their insurance for because he didn't take that time and he didn't explain what they had even. So I think that's that's kind Decent of my chance philosophy. they might not even have known either too, depending on. Well, then, yeah. I don't want to <laughs> disparaging remarks about that. Absolutely not. I've met a fair number of people. I hate to speculate on the percentage that couldn't explain their own insurance program to me, and I suspect because they didn't know. But um, but uh, you know, and I there. Uh, I've actually developed, and first in this area, uh, a number of programs uh, for large portfolios as well. Um, monthly reporting type, you know, um, that I've approached companies with, and we've put together packages for investors. Uh, we've modified um, different programs that were primarily available to lending institutions for ensuring their REO and their and their lender placed uh, their foreclosed properties and we've adapted that to to uh, investor policies so they're basically getting the same type of policy that a large lending institution might have all right no, let's, let's in fact let's just jump right into it since oh. you yeah <laughs> that's a perfect segue couldn't it kind of been more natural so what would you say is the major difference when it comes to insurance from what I call Susie Midwest um, insurance agent who pretty much just does homeowners, houses already have to be perfect, nothing, no funny business, no rehabs, no pulling permits, um, and the difficulty or, or trying to get insurance for someone like that, and then insurance that you provide uh, um because you kind of went out and just grabbed a hodgepodge of different insurances and put some shit together and tried to make it work for an investor, right? Yeah. Well, and there's different products for different stages that we have. You know, and a lot of uh, Susie, who is it? Susie, Susie Homemaker. <laughs> or it's part-time, you know. Yeah, you know. Susie Miss Wisconsin yes. uh, went into insurance and is selling. Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot well, of these companies. I don't know if we can do that, you know. A lot of these and many captive, and we call captive insurance companies, which would be named uh, insurance companies that, that uh, you know, I'll say State Farm or, or Allstate, this type. You know, they have a great product line, but their agents, that's all they sell. So we call them captives. Uh, many of those <laughs> will have a, a, a product for a rental property, but they don't have a product for a vacant property. That's problematic when you're a landlord. So, and when you're a you landlord, and so many of the landlords, professional and, and, and investors, you know, don't buy turnkey properties that already have a tenant in place. You know, they're buying them. They're they're vacant. They're going to do some rehab to them. Um, so, uh, you know, they can't. They don't have a product for that. Where I have a product, and I actually have some companies that we can convert vacant, vacant policies to rental policies, uh, keeping the same policy number even, and, and, and converting them. Uh, but then I have also you know specific products for uh, flippers, people that are just doing short-term 
flipping. Uh, vacant rehab, 90-day, six-month policies uh, that are designed just for what they're doing as well. You know what? I forgot to do the legal disclaimer, too, so I should probably do that now. I need to put that in my I should do it too. In my show notes. <laughs> that, um, that first of all, this, that, that, that none of this should be taken as uh, real estate investment advice or even insurance advice. We highly recommend that you contact an attorney. And talk everything over with an attorney uh, in your state, too. Um, I know you're listening to this all over the world or in your country. And before making any decisions, please do seek uh, professional legal advice that you pay for. These are just merely our opinions after years of of experience. So I'll do that. I'm not a certified insurance counselor. I'm I'm an independent insurance agent, um, which does involve some talking with people and conversing, which is what I do. I ask a lot of questions for people, and some people get a little bit perturbed. Can't you just give me a quote? (laughs) And I said, well, I could give you a quote. (laughs) Or do you want insurance that works? may not be what you want or what you need or what's for your particular situation. Uh, uh, But I am not, you know, and I'm specific to Michigan. I'm licensed in Michigan. I'm, I I talk purely about the Michigan market. So. Okay, let's let's start with because someone who's in real estate, or maybe they're just getting started. A very likely scenario is they just bought a fix and flip. So let's say or they just put one under contract. Let's say okay. they just put a fix and flip under contract. Maybe this is even the first deal they've ever done. So this is where it gets a little tricky. I remember when I was trying to insure my first fix and flip, and I, I didn't do it right at all. I didn't know I couldn't do the rehab. If something had actually happened, I would have been screwed. So what would be the so what questions as an investor should you be asking your insurance person, captured or independent, um, about the policy or, or about what they do? Because when you have it under contract, you obviously want it insured from the day you own it. And make sure that certain things are are covered and are not going to be excluded because it can't be vacant. What, what should an investor be asking? Be very honest with your agent. Tell them what you're going to do with the property, what it is. Don't call and say, I bought a rental property. Even if you're going to hold it and rent it. I said, I bought a new property. It's vacant. I'm going to rehab it first. Be, be forthright. Um I actually, years ago, I had uh, one client that he did say it was vacant. And I I asked, are you going to do any work to this house? He said, no, we're not going to do any work to it. I said, well, there's a difference because there's exposure. Um, You know, uh, if it's just vacant, the only exposure you can have is exposure being people in the house uh, would be uh, showing it to a prospective buyer. If you're going to do any work, you should really have a vacant rehab. The company knows that you're in there and working on it. And he was vehemently denied that. He said it's just vacant to save maybe $100 over three months. And uh, he had a fire in the house. And the adjuster went out to adjust this fire, and there was contractor's tools in the house at the time, and they denied the claim, yeah. rightfully so. Yes. And it was very obviously under renovation. 
So we I, we never did determine what the cause of the fire was. It could be electrical or whatever, but they said it was not written right. So you so you're not going to hide. Be honest. Yeah, yes. if you're going to have to make a claim, they're going to know. If there's any way they can know, they will know. Right. So saving a hundred dollars cost them a lot. Five thousand dollars, maybe. Yes. It wasn't a serious fire, but yeah. Yeah, that's an expensive uh, <laughs> proposition. So, but you know, and I also just maybe this is not the right time, but is there risk involved in investing in real estate? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Can you eliminate that risk? Hell no. Do you My have life a, is a do you example have a, of all the risks. Can you get a good in. return investing in real estate? Absolutely. Okay. You know, and I ask people that. I say, uh, now, what should, what's the best you can do on a guaranteed investment these days? What are five-year T-bills yielding these days, <laughs> right? Not and very I, good. And now, I won't get into the inherent risk in T-bills either. Yeah. <laughs> let's not get But they're the only ones who can use the word Let, guaranteed. Let's not. But, you know, I don't like to, what insurance is a hedge against loss, a hedge against risk. It's a reduction in risk. It's not the elimination of risk. You know, you invest something in the in the, in the stock market, in the, in the, in a even in a in a blue chip company. There's some inherent risk in there. You know, you're not guaranteed anything on that. No, not guaranteed anything in life either. As right. I found out. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I and and particularly you know, I deal with a lot of overseas investors. Insuring properties in the states, in Michigan, certainly in the city of Detroit, is much different than a homeowner's policy in uh, in the UK, where they may pay three hundred dollars a year for replacement cost coverage on a on a house that was built three hundred years ago. You know, and it's very interesting. So I spent a lot of time explaining. And sometimes there's some language barriers there, too. So I, I take time to do that because I don't want expect expectations um, that are beyond reality. You know? Well, it's also very People different. People are just going to get pissed at me. <laughs> I don't like that. Would you say that insurance in America is less regulated than insurance throughout most of the most of the world. No, I don't, not not okay. to my knowledge, less regulated. So it's just regulated Insurance is highly regulated. It's just United regulated States. significantly differently. Correct. Okay. Correct. And obviously different geographical locations are going to have different risks. Detroit has risks that Southfield does not. Right. Or has less of them, something Correct. like and that. And different risks. And different too. kinds of risks. You know, there's a different risk, and, and they underwrite for different risks in, in rural areas where there's not a fire hydrant a thousand feet from a house either. That's true. They charge yeah. a little more for that as well. Uh, we call that, there's 10 different protection classes based on, uh, that, that companies use based on um, availability and uh, fire departments, whether they're city-owned fire or salaried or volunteer or the proximity to water, um, the closeness of houses, that type of thing. So there's various protection classes, and they rate each one you know a little differently as well. So it, there is a lot of... Uh, 
lot that goes into determining that. But I like to, when I look at, that's why I ask questions too, because everyone has a different tolerance for risk as well. There's a risk-reward balance in every equation, if you will, insurance investing equation. Uh, some, you know, larger, primarily larger investors, you know, um, with multiple properties, many self-insure the property. They, you know, it be, they, they have a lot of houses that are maybe fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. They may have, you know, a large portfolio, and they risk that. They say, well, you know, I might spend over 10 years, you know, $50,000 in insurance. Um, I may not have a fire or a complete loss in 10 years. So I'm going to bank that money. And and if it does happen, well, I'll pay for it or walk away from it and buy another one. Uh, you know, high deductible. Some people have maintained more. And this is what I do myself is more catastrophic coverage with my investments. Yeah, total high, loss. High deductible, not a replacement cost. Basically, um, in case of total loss, recover the principle that you have in there or the market value. So we can get into that a little later too, but you know, as opposed to a market value, a actual cash value um, settlement rather than replacement cost. Yeah, for some people, this is going to be mind-boggling, <laughs> but this is definitely Michigan. So I'm going to take a minute and go over it. In Michigan, the real estate market is so low in certain areas, not all areas, like Birmingham, that's not the case. They're paying Correct. a couple hundred bucks a square foot. Royal Oak. Royal Oak. But there are large swaths, millions of people, millions of houses, where the market value of the home is significantly less than the rebuild value of the home. And you actually offer insurance plans where your principal is usually significantly less than whatever the rebuild value of the home is. And it might be similar to market value or it might even be less than market value. So depending on your appetite for risk and how much money you want to save, you could insure just the principal, insure just the market value, or you feel like, hey, you know what, I'm not a risk taker at all. I want the rebuild value of the house. And that these are part of the questions you asked. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Now, there's also what we call in the insurance and carriers will call a, a moral hazard involved in this. And that is where there is the large discrepancy between market value or purchase price and what the house is insured for. That's a large gap in there. Yeah. That is considered a moral hazard. In Detroit, that would be uh, a very large gap. And that moral hazard contributed greatly to um, an awful lot of companies pulling out of the city of Detroit. Yes. And will not insure any longer in the city of Detroit. Uh, some companies, even I mean, in the suburbs, typically on a new purchase, will not insure um, if value is purchase price is less than sixty-five percent of replacement cost. Because some unsavory human beings will might Possibly. purchase it, insure it for the rebuild value. And then, oops, it burns. 
They make a bunch of claims. The insurance company loses their ass in the city, which is what happened. Correct. And they, they're obviously not going to stick around writing policies like that. Or they'd have to write a $8,000 a year policy, and they don't think anybody would sign up for it. But now, even on, um, just explain a little bit, on actual or a replacement cost coverage uh, or repair cost, replacement cost coverage, some people have this idea that, well, I insure this house for $200,000, that if it burns down, I'm going to get a check for $200,000. <laughs> well, that's not the case, because if you want a cash settlement, that cash settlement is not based on the replacement cost. A cash settlement is based on actual cash value, which is replacement cost less depreciation, which in many cases in the city of Detroit is still much greater yes. than the market value. Because they take into account the home is an older design, Correct. older furnace, older everything. We're not going to give you money for a brand spanking new house that's 80 years old. Right. Yeah. Now, if you, in, the, in case of a par- partial loss, what many cases what they'll do, they'll give you an initial payment based on actual cash value and upon proof of repair or rebuilding, or if you're contracted to rebuild. But on a partial loss, you know, um, then they'll give you that depreciation, basically. But you only get that depreciation depreciation if you actually do the work and repair it yeah so back to our example this is no this is good because this, this is how we this is how we bring these things out i wish i knew known some of this shit before i started <laughs> it's I so was, exciting i know i, know, I was lucky you're though. riveted right now i was you? i was yeah. lucky but uh so <laughs> they just put their their latest fix and flip under contract okay what are some of the things that we'll say Susie home flipper has her first or her tenth, doesn't matter, um, fix and flip under contract. And it's she wants to make sure she has the appropriate coverage. It's going to be fix and flip. She's going to do rehab. There's going to be contractors in there. She's going to have to pull permits from the city and wherever township she's in. Then she's going to have to show it. It's going to be on the market. It's going to be on the MLS. It's going to be on the Internet. Um, so some liability there. And then sell it. What kind of what kind of um, liabilities and concerns and protections right. might you want to consider? I'm, I'm really glad you, you brought it up the word liability because you know many people think you know property or insurance property. Uh, one of the biggest aspects of insuring as an investor when you have multiple properties or you're just starting out with one property even um, is that liability factor. Because when you own a piece of land with a structure on it, you are liable for things that happen on that property. America likes us to sue, too. Well, yes. And and uh, I can touch a little bit, too, on, on, on because the example you used was a, uh, a flip yep. with renovation and contractors in there. Plenty of opportunity for pain. You know... Uh, I, I I have an opinion on this, but you know a lot of people when they're 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 running the numbers, they're trying to keep the cost of renovation low to maximize their yield on this investment, certainly. And uh, 
but uh, and a lot of people will use contractors that are not insured, yes. licensed or insured. Uh, that is a factor as well, uh, even down the road. Uh, because if you say you have an electrical contractor in there to redo the electrical, and two years from now the person you sold it to, you know, is killed in a fire that was caused by an electrical problem that was not done earlier. And they can tie it back. And they can tie it back to that. And if that contractor is not insured... You're getting sued. Any lawyer involved, what lawyers do, the attorneys do, they follow the money. If someone doesn't have insurance, they look to see who does. Or they look for the property. Or they look for assets. You know, they follow the money. They don't get... uh, They don't get... um, they can't live on 30% of a slap on a wrist. No. Yeah. Don't do it again. <laughs> or 30% of 90 dailies in Oakland County. They can't live on that. They like 30% of a $1.2 million settlement. Yes. <laughs> so obviously there's going to be some liability. So there is liability involved in, in that. So, um, and again, that's I've got some clients... Um, that will insure, and I can do this as well, liability only. They choose to self-insure the property. Because if you've got $60,000 in the property and it burns down, what's the most you can lose? $60,000. Or if it's appreciated, maybe, you know. Maybe you a little can, bit more. Or you might whatever. have to do a little demo for the city. Right. Now, if you have a property, a rental property, and and someone is slip and fall and gets hurt on there, what's the most you can lose? You lose everything. A little bit more than sixty thousand yep. dollars, I would think. So that so many people will you know insure that because that's a finite number. You know how much you have in it. You know how much you can lose. You're willing to take the risk on that. You're willing to hedge your risk on that. I go with a $5,000 deductible because I'm not going to put a claim in for anything small anyway. I'm looking for catastrophic coverage. Liability insurance is the catastrophic coverage. It's a good point. So liability should be treated the same way as total loss when you're considering risk, correct? In a way, yeah. And actually more total than the house, too. (laughs) Because it could be total life loss. You could, depending on the kind of mistake you make and or the attorney involved, that could be, that could kill all your money or tie it up for, I mean, I have a personal experience with that. That is terrible. It It could literally destroy your life for years. Correct. Yeah. Yes, it can. And, you know, well, I've got, I've heard this, I've got an LLC. Well, I'm not an attorney, so this is not legal advice. But, you know, an LLC doesn't completely, or in many cases, cannot completely insulate you from. No, because we're humans and we make mistakes and you. You forgot that you deposited that one check that one time in your own personal name directly into the business account because you were short on money and you didn't want to take it from the correct account. And all it takes is a lawyer to pierce the corporate veil right there, and then they're suing you. Very way, yes. So, you know, I mean, I've got clients that, you know, and they ask me, and I said, talk to your attorney. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but, you know, I can insure it under an LLC name. I do most most of what I do. But, you know, you get people that are um, investing through their IRA. You know, I invest through my IRA. 
And you can't do that. If you have a mortgage on the house, you know, typically that mortgage is in your name, you know, and it must be deeded in your name. It's like, well, after I close on the house, I'll quit claim it to my LLC. Well, that mortgage is still in your name. And, you know, whether you quit claim it to the LLC or not, um, there's still liability exposure, in, in my opinion, on that. So, Especially if there's a good enough attorney involved. You know, I've got clients that, you know, oh, you know, $500,000, $300,000 liability, that's fine. Uh, I have also have clients that, you know, I've got one now, he's at a $5 million personal umbrella over all his properties, and he's looking to increase it to $10 million because, you know, to use his words, I'm a little paranoid, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, okay, you know, other, so different people have different uh, tolerant levels of tolerance for risk. So I try, you know, it's good to be able to adapt a particular uh, policy to the, the individual. Yeah, so we have work going on in the house. That's, that could be potentially a problem. Um, whether or not your, your workers, whoever you hired are licensed or not, that could be a problem. Then there's just, we'll just classify it as just liability in general, slip or fall. Yeah. yeah. Dogs. Uh, I guess there's not really a dog in this scenario, but uh, dogs could be problematic as well sometimes. You know I love dogs. Pools can certainly be problematic. Pools. Yeah, Trampolines can be problematic. But uh, uh, So there's a lot of considerations on that. Yeah. yeah. So... Your, your advice, which I think is good advice, is just be honest. Be very honest. Yeah. With your, your insurance agent about, about what you're doing and then determine your particular appetite for risk. Correct. And obviously consult an attorney too. Certainly. Uh, you don't want to do anything, you don't want to do anything stupid. So I wish I had a dime for every time I've said, well, I'm not an attorney, but. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Well, let's take it. Let's take that same scenario, but let's say saying flip it. Okay. Let's say rent it because that does open up a whole other can of worms, right? It does, especially liability wise, right? Liability so, wise. Susie, home investor, is now moving on to her tenth flip. She's going to buy, fix, but she's not going to flip this one because she did so well in the last one. She's going to take her profits and invest it into. Uh, a rental in a different neighborhood. So now she's she's put a property under contract that she's going to buy, fix, and then add to her rental portfolio. What are some things that she should be concerned about and or at least thinking about or asking questions about insurance-wise? Well, certainly, yeah. Um, again, be honest. Say this, what you're doing. Now, most companies, you know, want to see an annual lease. Most insurance companies. Um they don't always demand a copy of the lease. Some companies do, some companies don't. Um, but, you know, you can understand there being a different risk level with short-term, month-to-month rentals. Not necessarily, but there's certainly that potential. You know, if you're doing, you know, you've got someone in there and they're just on a month-to-month, they're less likely to care about the home they're living in than they are if they even have an annual lease or that a would long, make sense. longer term. Or they're more transient and more transient people come with a certain set of prob- problems. Yes. I don't know, yes. problems. No, we're not those. being judgmental. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, it's the way it is. We need a way of explaining human behavior under yeah. certain circumstances, and this is one Why of them. do you have a lease 
in the first place. Yes. You know, why not just say, here, you can live in my house and give me $500 a month rent, you know? That'd be a bad idea. You come back the next month <laughs> They say, who are you? <laughs> Get out of my house. <laughs> so then you have to start that whole process. But, uh, yeah, so, so that's a consideration. Uh, but, again, you know, there, there's that risk, you know. Did I borrow money? Did I borrow money? Is there a lender involved in this? Which is always the, you know, if, if a lender is involved in the transaction, then, then they have to be involved in the insurance as well. And they'll have demands. They need to be named on the policy as additional insured. And most say now that it's okay, you know, as long as we have the uh, loan principal, the loan amount covered on the insurance, it does not have to be replacement cost coverage. Uh, many cases you get a, a mortgage on a homeowner policy that, uh, that you're going to live in your own home, um, you're going to want that replacement cost typically, um, and the the mortgage company. But you're normally looking at a higher value on on, on those. Uh, many times we have hard money. We have private money investors involved in these. Um, you know, they may or may not want per first position lien on the house or or that they may not file. They may or not may or may not file, but but they should be named on any insurance policy Absolutely. as additional insured loss payee. And that's in, it's 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 interesting because technically the term additional insured has nothing to do with property payouts. Additional insured means is is technically assigned just to the liability end of a policy. So you've got to have that loss payee in there as well. Okay. So a mortgagee clause or a mortgagee would be additional insured and loss payee. So typically in that case, what you know, a settlement, the check is made out jointly to the mortgage company and to the homeowner. Well, now let's piss off the entire world with this um, next question. But a very realistic question, especially if you live in southeast Michigan. Um, What if your your renter is moving in with one of just about any number of bully breeds of of animal, as you were gonna. I have to do it, you know. I, I have people who are I'm gonna try and cover as much as we possibly can. I know insurance isn't that exciting, but we talk about investing your life savings or money you borrowed from family members or friends. They need to be thinking about this shit clearly. That way, they don't get all worked up over a dog or something like that in a particular situation. They think a big picture. Well. We've got dogs. We've got trampolines. We've got swimming pools. These are all additional risks that come with this. Um, Some insurance companies, I'll I'll go backwards, will accept pools as long as they have, and they're fenced in, and they have a lockable ladder that lifts up and locks, uh, or a removable ladder, or this. Um, some, Some companies... No, thank you. No pools. Explain no the pulling the ladder out of the... Doesn't that make the pool more dangerous? 
by removing the ladder? Well, if it's above a ground pool. Above ground pool. Oh, so okay. kids can't like climb the ladder and fall. Yeah, I wasn't thinking I'm about sorry. that. That, that <laughs> makes Above ground sense. pool. Like, they're just trying to make it more dangerous. Right. Like, that seems like an odd um, thing to do. And and if there is a pool, they may, a company may ensure the liability but exclude the pool. Or they may, same with the trampoline, uh, some uh, companies have specific trampoline exclusions. So you can own a trampoline, but you're on your own. Correct. Something happens. You can let a tenant have a trampoline there, but don't call us. Don't call us. Yeah. Correct. Um, to a different extent, dogs. But uh, they have a most companies, and they're all similar lists. A list of restricted dogs. Now, one being any animal, any dog with a history of bite. Makes sense. With the bite history. Now, are you going to ask your tenant, does your dog have a history of bites? Nah, never bought yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but there are restricted, you know, Chows, Pitts, Dobermans, Rottweilers. Um, there's a couple others. But um, some companies, basically, if there is that dog of those breeds on premises, they will not offer liability insurance. So make sure... You're asking your tenant and asking your insurance company Correct. before you go Again, and consummate be some honest. Yeah. Ask the questions and then tell your insurance agent. Yeah. Ask the questions of your tenant and tell your insurance agent. Uh, but uh, another aspect of that is, uh, and, many, and many companies do this, or many uh, uh, landlords do this, uh, if there is a dog of any breed, I actually have to do that. I've one of my tenants has a a black lab, you know, old black lab. And but I said, well, you can have the dog, but you must have a renter's policy, which is a HO four homeowners. It's a it's a form of homeowners, but mostly it's known as a renter's policy. So it covers their contents of the house in case of fire. But it also covers their liability. So a renter would get a renter's policy with that liability, and that's personal liability. So a dog will fall under their personal liability. But on that policy, they must name me as an additional insured. In case you get sued along, because some attorney is going to sue both of you probably, right? So if that you know dog nips someone or, or something... That's the primary insurance, and then my insurance would be secondary on top of that. What do you think about making everybody who rents from you go get their own renter's insurance policy? It's not a bad idea. It really is not a bad idea. Uh, In this litigious society, um, so often, if anything happens, well, we're going to add one more into the pool here. And that's property managers. Many investors utilize property managers. Many property managers are licensed and insured. Many are not. Uh, those that are not, basically, you are a you. If you're using a property manager uh, that is not insured, does not have errors and omissions, professional liability insurance. 
you are taking on the liability of all of the actions of your property manager who you hire. Even I didn't know that. Really? So if a tenant calls and says, I got this problem, man. I got an electrical outlet. It keeps smoking every time I plug something in. And they don't do anything about it. The property manager ignores it. Never contacts you. You're on the hook because he's fire not starts. Someone insured. gets hurt in that. Who they they hire? I won't name any names, but you know, do you look at the uh, yeah. uh, news, Fox News, any morning of the week? You can see advertisements for numerous uh, uh, attorneys. Yeah. <laughs> To use the the expression loosely, but uh, you know, and what they'll do is typically they will file suit against the property manager because typically that's the only people that the tenant has any contact with. File suit against the property manager jointly, the owner of the property, whether it's personally or held in LLC or whatever. They find out, oh, this property manager doesn't have any insurance. Well, we're not going to get any money out of him or her. Let's go to the homeowner. Yeah. Let's see what he is. It would be hard to argue with the logic, too. You hired. You didn't check. They were uninsured. That was your responsibility. Uh, And then, yeah, I can see how that ended up right back in your lap. Shit rolls uphill, right? Yeah. (laughs) Wait, where's the money? Can the problem be the person with the money? Yes, it can. Bam, that's it. Okay, wow. So that's that's another factor to to make a powerful case for only using licensed and insured professionals. It's probably not a bad idea anyway, if and when possible. Correct. Now, there has been cases of non-licensed uh, insurance agents selling bogus insurance policies as oh, well. Yeah. So. <laughs> or that's something, if, you, if you're watching from another state or listening from another state or country, we have L.A. insurance here, too. And for whatever reason, I've never seen this anywhere else. Michigan has a fair amount of insurance that isn't, I would even really call it insurance. It's no, more, no. you bought a piece of paper to show an officer of the law and they won't arrest you or take your vehicle. Or It's a certificate mill, yeah. so to speak. The, for some reason, this just complies with all state law. and we'll, But it doesn't actually cover anything. If anything actually happens, you're on your own. But right. you won't go you to jail. Take the piece of paper. Well, in what many cases, what happens is you buy insurance... Typical insurance, I'm, I don't do really home auto, that type of thing, but an auto policy on a car is typically either six months or 12 months for the policy. You can buy a six-month um, insurance policy. Um, now, it doesn't pertain just to auto insurance. I'll get into that in a second. But in order to register your car, you have to show proof of insurance. So you will initiate contract to get a, an insurance policy for your car and they make the you want to know what the minimum down payment is on this insurance policy so you pay that minimum down payment get your policy certificate go to the secretary of state register your vehicle and ignore every other insurance bill that comes in the mail 
and your policy is lapsed. And we have a high percentage of uninsured motorists in southeast Michigan. In the city of Detroit, um, figures, last figures I've heard are roughly 40% are uninsured. I bet it's higher, too. Yeah. That would be my... But, uh, but now also, uh, be careful because uh, contractors are known to do much the same shuffle. Uh, I, 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 I insure a couple of contractors because they're involved in the, in, in the uh, renovation business uh, for investment properties. But typically, I will not because many times when I first started out, you know, I've got a contractor that came in, I, I want to get insurance. And they'll do the same thing because they've got, they're bidding on a job for a larger corporation. Uh, as a subcontractor in many cases, and that 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 contractor that's bidding the work demands that a subcontractor be insured. So he will get a policy for you know a painter or whatever he is, a plumber, and and present that certificate of insurance with his bid, and he may get the job. And he may keep the insurance in force while he's doing that. But as soon as that job is done, he lets that insurance lapse. And I've had contractors come to me, you know, like multiple times, you know. That's I need another policy, Chris. And I'll say, I don't do them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I may get $10 commission out of that first down payment or so, you know, but then I get nothing else because yeah, he doesn't crazy. pay any other bill. What's well, a good okay, so this leads into a question. How could an investor check on the professionals he or her is hiring? State of Michigan. State of Michigan. So whatever they, there's of, a number uh, they can check. And- yeah, website actually you can look up any um uh, Doug League office. Uh, How would you know that their liability insurance was um, that they just didn't write a check or make the down payment and then walk away? It's, it's tough to know that. It's yeah. tough to know that. Some people, and I've had, I've had calls uh, where people call me to okay. say, um, you know, is this insurance still in force? And, and can you so, legally answer that question? I can. If, okay. if I have the policy... And somebody calls and say, this policy number, is this still active? Or Correct. Yeah, I can say that. Um, but typically, uh, in the case of contracting, many want to be named uh, as a certificate holder. If you're named as a certificate holder on someone's policy, you're not insured under their policy, you're a certificate holder, meaning that they you must be notified if that insurance lapses. Ah, too. So okay. you'll see that much in the construction and in the, in the trades and such. Um, they'll demand that, you know. So that way, if, if they're a certificate holder and specifically named on that certificate, I, as a, an insurance agent, uh, we'll generate that certificate with the policy information on it, the insured, the certificate holder's name. And then I maintain those. And then if that policy lapses for any reason, I have 30 days to notify that certificate holder that the insurance is canceled or 
which is another reason that I don't like to get into that type of insurance. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a lot of unpaid work, isn't it? But if somebody wanted to check on their contract or their property manager, they could just ask for their insurance. A certificate of insurance. That's the easy Or something like that, and they yeah. can be named and on And on a certificate of insurance is the phone number and the name of the agency that wrote that business. Okay. So you, someone could call that agency and say, I just wanted to verify, I've got a certificate of insurance. Is this still valid? You know what I'm asking, right? Because there's that investor out there. Oh my God! There's how my I got 15 properties. I never knew that, and they're going to want to know how to go. There you go. You can go ask for this. You just ruined some insurance agent's life. Oh, why is my phone ringing like this? Oh my God! All these people. all these people watch it. So okay, well, so moving moving on from that, we're we're going to come back to some insurance stuff, but you had mentioned earlier that you were in you got. You're starting real estate pretty young, like you were 21. I think yeah, I was 21 or 22. Yeah, what was your first real estate deal? Do you remember first, your first real estate, real estate deal? deal? Yeah, friend of mine, Bob. We go back. He's still a friend of mine, and uh, we were, I think, 21, 22. He got back from the Air Force. He went into the Air Force out of high school. I got back from the Air Force, and. Um, um, we thought we'd get a place to live. Well, why not? Let's buy a house and fix it up, you know? And I I borrowed $500, I remember, because I didn't have enough for half of the down payment on this house. And I, somehow, I don't know how, it was a land contract is what it was. So you're buying this house on seller financing and you needed to come up with your half of the down payment. Correct. So this, you know, the, and it was in the Seminole Hills, in Indian Village in Pontiac. Nice frame craftsman house, but you know it was down. It it was pretty deteriorated. And this was in eighty one, eighty two. That's wild, right yeah. in there. And uh, so yeah, I borrowed five hundred dollars from my sister, who didn't have a pot to pee in anyway, and I don't know why she did that because it was only short term. I only needed like till my next paycheck or something like that came in. And we bought this house, and, and we started working on the house. We moved in and, and you know, refinishing this in the kitchen and, and, and painting. You know, it was all wood-sided, so a lot of scraping and painting. And, and uh, then Bob, actually, um, uh, my partner, uh, met and married again. And they decided they liked to it, and they moved into the house and... We've kind of figured, you know, what the market value, the work we had done, what the market value is, and then they bought me out. So then I said, "Oh, I got a little money." And so I, your first deal was profitable. It you was. Had to, you had to, so you bought bought on seller financing. Had to borrow for half your down payment. Yes. And do you remember how much you made, or what percentage? Yeah. Or I don't remember. I made a few grand. Remember, it is profitable though. It was profitable. Okay. I made a few grand. And a few grand in eight, early 80s money is way more than yeah. 2015. Then I took and I bought a house in Ferndale. Okay. Brick Bungalow. Was that your down payment? And that was my down payment on the house and in Ferndale. And uh, so I had that that house. Um, I did a lot of work. I primarily do a lot of the work myself. I did. I don't do quite so much anymore. But, uh, you know, I like doing that. I, I like doing that. And um, so while it was that, you know, live in, flip, you know, the house is always a mess. <laughs> you know, you always have some project going on. And I married and uh, um, we ended up 
finishing that house. I, fi- I had finished that house, and we lived there for a, a little bit, and then we decided we wanted to build a new house. So we actually built a new house uh, in Troy. And uh, I remember I had that house in Ferndale like for three years, and it was one of these bought it for 30, put five into it, plus a whole bunch of buku hours of sweat equity, and sold it for 60. It's like cool. This is neat. Yeah. I like this, you know. And so put and, a cool uh, twenty grand in your pocket uh, on that one in three years. So that was let's say I bought that in eighty three, and it's funny because you probably could have bought that same house for about thirty, maybe forty, for, in two thousand nine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when we got to see those prices yeah. all over again. Yeah, not now. Yeah, though. not now. Yeah. But then, yeah, we built a new house, and then I, I did a lot of. Uh, I finished, I had an office in it, and I put it built in oak cabinets and desks and stuff and did a lot of the finishing work myself, trim and deck and landscaping and all that. And, uh, and then I got just bored. I ran out of stuff to do. New house, there's only so much you can do in, you know. So we sold that and bought an old, old house and put a big, in Birmingham, put a big addition on it, went through room by room. Redoing everything. So that house was in living in it under construction for three years. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the kitchen, that was, yeah. That's right. My wife at the time, my wife moved off to Florida for three months to live with, at her parents' house while the, I took care of the kitchen. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. That's a long time. So fast forward to 2000. 15 though and 2015 you're back you're back in real estate you're stacking up um you're kind of doing an interesting mix of passive and correct and active at the same time and i'm not doing any active flips now i'm not buying selling uh i've bought a few homes to hold uh as rentals um Someone needed very minimal work. Uh, another needed extensive, extensive rehab. Um, so we did that. They're all rented. But I also do some financing as well. Yeah. So it's like an interesting mix there. So you have you 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 like that passive income, obviously, as an insurance yeah. agent. Yeah. Do the work once or once a year, and then get paid for the other. 11 months of so the rentals. I think it, it's interesting. It falls in line. And if you haven't yet, um, one of the books I highly recommend everybody read is um, How to Become a Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. There's no way of working the numbers for a fix and flip or a wholesale that ever turns out better than 20 years of buy and hold. It just doesn't. <laughs> you, there's nothing wrong with a fix and flip, and you need no. you need to do fix and flip sometimes to generate capital, exactly. but it's tax disadvantaged, correct? Um, and it doesn't have the component of time, and usually whatever financing is involved is too expensive to hold long term. So you're forced to do a fix and flip, but hopefully we're all going to live longer than twenty or thirty years in this business, and you can't lose. It's very difficult to lose on buying holds, um, especially if it, in, in the Western world. For a new investor that doesn't have the capital, you know, I mean, that's a great way to get into the market, I think. Yeah. You know, if they can secure private financing, you know, they and, you know, 
get enough to have some skin in the game, because otherwise the private planners typically don't want to really deal with you, I wouldn't think. Um, I don't. Uh, but, uh, you know, for a minimal down, the investor gets some passive income, you know. There's some risk involved, certainly. Uh, but the young person has a chance to get into it and build something, you know, and build and build something. Well, I think this is a nice... It's a young man's game, I think. I, I would agree with you. Having done it... <laughs> <I don't... laughs> It loses its appeal. I'm, boy, I it sounded does. old, didn't I? Just, I? I sounded old there. Right? I, you know, I was, I was talking to my wife, and I am firmly in middle age now, and I'm not ashamed of it. I like <laughs> middle age shit. I like doing middle age things. Yeah. I think like a middle age person now. I'm not all. Well, you know, real. I, I enjoy real estate more than I enjoy insurance. I'll be honest. You know, real estate. Now, where I've done and I've built this business brings me a lot more income than real estate could for the investment. Um, uh, But, you know, every there's many days where I think, you know, I just kind of want to... Perseverance. Well, this is why we're going to segue. Okay. And I didn't actually warn you about this, so if you don't want to talk about it... No, fine. You don't have to, but... um, there was a, there was a period in your life where your relationship with your wife ended and also business relationships ended. Correct. And your financial life was, I mean, essentially it was drug out in a field, shot in the head and buried in a shallow grave. Correct. And you're like, what the fuck am I going to do? Right? <laughs> exactly. If I remember correctly, I met you not too long not after. Not too long after that. After that. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is... I got to watch the whole thing. You know, that's true. I, I got to, I got to watch the whole thing, and it's it's impressive to watch. And, and I got to look, watch yours too. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm still doing. It. I'm a little behind you, but uh, I got to I got to watch the whole the whole thing. So there were a lot of years. There was there was a, at least yes. a couple of years, at least three years, I remember specifically, where there was a significant amount of struggle and obstacles you had to overcome and I don't think it was an accident you overcame them right one thing I noticed too around that time is you kind of took like a whole life approach to it too you started jogging you started working out you it's kind of like you just okay look this sucks we're going to get through I'm not entirely sure what you were thinking but I think successful people have successful habits you really talk about what you were thinking how you made the decision and how you made it through the part that just sucked. I mean, it, it looked miserable. Well, and you know, as well as I do, you get to a point, it's a lot easier to quit and roll over, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I mean... And I did for... It quite, honestly, I did for a year and I a mean, half. it's a lot easier just to say, excuse my language, fuck it. Fuck it, yep. You know? Go find me a rum bottle and lay on a beach in Belize or something. You know, and die in two years. I mean, that was a thought I had. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was when I was in my late 30s, you know, I was looking at retiring comfortably by when 50 years old. Mm. Um, I was 40. I'm 56 now. I will be 56. You know, I was 40 in my early 40s, mid-40s, and I had nothing. Wow. Nothing. 
That's some sobering <laughs> shit, though, isn't it? It's, it is some very sobering shit. Yeah. I had a young son, um, you know, and uh, thank God I've got a wonderful relationship with my ex-wife and my son now, and, and you know, I've had, uh, you know, long-term, uh, been on the straight, and, and physically, I'm improving myself physically and, and mentally, and, um, you know, now the rewards. But it was, uh, I don't know. I don't know what keeps you doing. Maybe it's that some kind of spirit or those around you certainly have an influence on you, can help you through those hard, hard times. But, uh, you know, it's it's not where I thought I would be. Let's put no, it that so way. you're in your mid-40s. Literally, the shit is hitting the fan. Your your marriage is dead, business dead, money's dead, your entire retirement dead for the most part. Correct. And you have to start all over again. And most, all of it, is based on decisions I made. Yeah, unfortunately. And I will absolutely take yep. credit for that. And you cannot cast blame, you know. Um, it doesn't, you got to accept it. Accept yes. it, learn from it if you can, and go on. Because if you don't accept it, then you can't change yourself. I remember when I actually made that decision, it was a little over two years ago, when I finally stopped. I was always saying, well, I made the decision, but so-and-so or such-and-such. I remember that. That one little I excuse. Rem- I remember that change in you, Jeremy. And I just, and I remember, I can't remember what I was doing, but I watched you, I, other people. You're right, you just... I am completely responsible for where I'm at. Yeah, that's only I had a bad partner, and I had there was substance abuse on his part, and and I'm recovery at the time, and and have been for many years, you know, and and I can say, well, you know, it was his fault. It all came down. The warning signs were there, but you know, I stepped into that pool. Yeah, you know, I swam around that pool for a long time. In my case, there were three people I really trusted who came forward and told me, and I still didn't believe them, and I moved forward. So to say that it was anyone other than my own decision, when it was three people I trusted, I just disregarded. (laughs) Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, it was... That was my pretty, fault. That's pretty strong denial there, Jeremy. Man, it was <laughs> my fault. Well, I, I, I lived in this fantasy of, you know, it was just a good guy caught in a bad situation, like I didn't have anything to do with it. And yeah. that's not true. Yeah. There there were warning signs. You had warning I signs. I had warning signs. I had yeah. warning signs professionally and, and personally. And, and um, you know, I made some bad decisions. Yes. Not the end of the world either, though. I still make some bad decisions, but God, yeah, not that bad. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully. So here we are. You are life upended, yes, and you have to make the decision moving forward. How did you start to dig yourself out of that hole? What What made you say start a business instead of get a job? Um, let's get back into this. Let's take some risks. How did you develop your appetite for risk after, you know, losing everything? You know, that's interesting. And, and, and I think it would be a logical thought to say you took big risks and you lost everything. Stop taking risks. But when you're at, you know, where I was and I thought about it too. And I said, well, you know, no more risks, man. I'm going to, 
you know, go get some trained in some, you know, medical. I looked into like, you know, becoming an MRI tech or so something you actually like thought, that. I'm glad you actually thought I did. about it. Yeah, I thought about, you know, there's something I could do, a certificate degree or something and get trained and I could make, you know, you know. Forty thousand dollars a year, and not have to worry about it. You know, just get a job, work for someone else. Get a job and work for someone else. Let them worry about all. And that I stuff. thought about that. Yeah. And I thought about that, and then it's like you know, <laughs> um, I can't do that. I can't do that. Now I can absolutely see, and many people have done it. You know, because they've lost that uh, appetite for risk. You know, it hurt too bad. And I don't know what makes you go jump back in. One of it is there was things I wanted. And not just not just um, financially. Because being through that changed my whole perspective of finance, what I need financially. I see a lot of the younger things. And, and even on the Facebook, people are picture, putting the pictures of the fancy cars and the big houses and this and that. And it's like, I'm, that's my goal. I'm going for that. I have absolutely no interest in that anymore. You know, I want to be comfortable. I like to grow my own vegetables. I like to be frugal. You know, I don't need a lot of things. Uh, time is important to me. I'm getting to that age. See, I mean, I'm getting, you know. You could always make more money, but you can't make I any can't more make time. I can't make any more time. I've got to take time. I'm most content when I know I can pay the bills. And I don't have a lot of bills. You know, I don't live high. I'm content when I know I can pay the bills. When I know I can be successful and help people today. When I know I'm physically well today. You know, you know I'm a runner. And yeah, I, take, I take, you know... 10 hours a week dedicated to to exercise. So that's something I noticed you started, too. So you must have had the ideas either at the same time or very close to the same time when you made that decision. Because I noticed that you made that decision and very shortly after the, the physical fitness regime followed. Yes. Right? But I, I don't know if, if one feeds on the other or one is a result of the other. Or they grow... Correlation, not causation. There is a, yes. There's, there's probably some There is a correlation, yeah. absolutely. The more I do it, the better I feel. Well, the better I feel, the more I want of it. You know, I have an addictive personality. You know? It's better to be addicted to dopamine... Yeah. <laughs> Jogging. ...than to ethanol. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in my life. But this is my, I, my, I can't judge anyone else. But I know it's better for me today because I'm I'm more content today than than I have been. In, so it sounds time. like you made not just a business a business decision, but you you kind of made like a lifestyle decision. Like getting a Get job, away, yeah, yeah, is not going to give me not going to afford me the lifestyle Correct. I want. I want to take care of myself physically. I want to take care of myself mentally. I want to make sure I have time. For things that are, that are valued and important, um, like like Boy Scouts, your son, Trout Unlimited, your active like, and starting a business made more sense than going and getting a job yeah. under this. And you know, I'm selfish in a way. Uh, I had a you know office. I had other agents work for me early on too. You know, and 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 
some things changed, but I mean, I, I had a general agency and we, we did a lot of insurance, auto insurance, homeowners insurance and that type of thing. Um, you know, my business, I could create jobs, you know, I could grow my business, you know, and contribute more to society. I suppose I could. I'm a little selfish. I don't want to. I don't want employees. I don't want the office. I'm pretty content, you know. And and I've been very fortunate. I don't know, you know. I don't know if it's because of decisions I've made. I try not to think that way. I think maybe you know it's just um, some energies in the universe lined up nicely, you know. That it likes what I'm doing. I would say the energy likes what I'm doing, so it's rewarding me a little yeah, bit. I think your hard work is rewarding you. So um, you know, I've seen significant growth in the business. Now, the first three, four years in business, you know, I remember. I mean, it's dog. I was watching. It was doggy. It mean, looked it rough was, too. It was rough. Yeah, I had you know nothing, and and that's when it really kind of kicked in, and, and it was like you know. You know, a paycheck would be nice. <laughs> Every two weeks. I don't weeks. care how much. You know, yeah. just something, you know. And, and, um, and, uh, but I stuck with it. I don't know how. I don't know why. You know, what drives people? What drives people to, to, to become, you know, huge flippers, you know, that do thousands of deals and have teams and all this. You know, I don't have that kind of drive. No, neither do I. I used to. I've got like a a bulldog drive, I think it is, kind of, you know, you just... I dimly remember what it was like to think like that, but I, I no longer do. I've, yeah. I've changed. You've changed. I, I remember your aspirations were were high, like that. Very. I would I almost might say child, yeah. childishly or naively. Not naively. I mean, it's possible. I mean, it's been done. It I mean, feels naive. You look eight years at it, later. I mean, you know? someone owns a lot of yachts. That's someone true. owns a lot of real estate down in Miami. You know, with the floating palaces parked behind. And I might still, yeah, we never know. <laughs> you never know. It I'm might not happen. thinking that now, though. Um, right now. You know, someone. You know, it's not childish. So, what got you through? In fact, some of my clients are extremely yes. successful. Extremely. You know, we know we know some very international people. Internationals, you know, and there's a lot of people um, from around the world. I mean, I deal with, and that's one of the nice things I like about this is I meet a lot of cool people, a lot of cool people. Some I've never met. I've met a lot of people. Some I've never met. Internet, it's amazing. And it's a global economy. I mean, I've got clients from. Um, Singapore, New Zealand, uh, Australia, UK, Norway, uh, Israel, um, you know, all over the globe. You know, in fact, I was at a meet, meeting, real estate investor meeting, and uh, so, uh, shout out to Saul. Hey, Saul. <laughs> and, and, and this guy, and he, uh, shout out to Jeff Rabinowitz. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Jeff said, hey, you got to talk to this guy. This guy, this insurance guy. So Saul came over and he said, um, I'm, I'm, wait a minute, Chris Mosier, I think you're my insurance guy. 
And you met him for the first time. <laughs> so so Jeff referred one of my clients to my to me. That's so good. I thought that was pretty good. It you is know, good. But you know. Um, but yeah, Saul was in town from uh, from Israel and he went to one of the meetups and, and, he, and first time we met face to face. So that was funny. Well, I'm going to hold you this question. How did you make it through? Or maybe you don't have an answer. Maybe you just did it. But what? How did you? How did you actually physically get through that first? That the, I know the the first three years were probably the toughest. They looked the toughest anyway from the outside looking in. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts. Maybe you think about it. Maybe just put your head down or. But there, there might be the reason I, I bring this up is I don't think this is an uncommon experience. No, it isn't. It's in, in any business, yes. any business, we're human. Insurance, real estate, young people. We whatever. make mistakes. We have to learn from them. We see all the time quotes on you know how many of the successful people, how many they fit, how many times they failed before. Yes. You know, I don't know if I got any more recoveries in me. Yes. <laughs> I actually I say that in in in, in many contexts. Yes. Um, you know I don't know. I don't risk it. You know I know I have another failure yeah. in me. You know do I have another recovery? And I, I don't use know. that. I don't know. So you know what? I ain't gonna fail. That's again. why I'm more conservative <laughs> than I used to be. You, it's like, you really know yourself. And you go wait you a second. Do. I have a problem in this. I need to establish some sort of if then set of parameters to try and suss out how I continually yeah. make this error. I, mean, I have family that supported me too, you know, actually helping financially too. Um, and, you know, I learned that you don't need a lot of stuff to live. You learned you don't need a lot of stuff to live. No, you, you don't. You grow a lot of your food. You can, you know, you don't need stuff um, to survive. In fact, when you survive with lesser, I think you grow more in many ways. I mean, that's why, you know, I don't know. I mean, I get philosophical here, but... I have noticed that hardship does have some benefits. Certain kinds of hardship, I think, has certain kinds of benefits. I am way more emotionally durable. I'm more physically durable, having had significantly less there does seem to be a little, I don't know if I want to say causation, but there's correlation. There is correlation there. Something there. Now, whether that's, you know, because of the personality of a survival personality. Yeah, I wonder I guess about maybe. that. I don't know if, if it's that or if it's because, you know, that's why you survived or you got that because you did survive. I, I Great segue, though. I don't know why. I don't think that success is an accident, though. No, right. I don't. Maybe maybe you can't remember why you made the decision you made. Maybe that was just a decision you were always going to make. But once you made that decision, there were a certain set of habits that you had to do more often than not in order to be successful. So I don't... There might be people watching right now that I know I didn't personally grow up with many successful habits. And that was a no small part of my multiple failures, too. So if there, I have some like, what does your morning look like? What well, is your you think morning? about, you know, the old saying, 
you know, what, what's the definition of insanity, right? Yeah. Doing the same thing over and expecting different results. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So if you want to change an outcome, you've got to change what you do. Except what you were doing before <laughs> wasn't working. <laughs> Acceptance. Acceptance. Yes. <laughs> yes. You need to do something it different. It wasn't everyone else's, you know. Yeah. It wasn't the universe. Everything wasn't lined up. So, But if I do it again, maybe everything will be cool. <laughs> yeah. I just posted uh, that yesterday. Uh, the, the 1% didn't make, didn't I, ruin I your life. Your life sucks because you suck. Suck less. That's where I came from. Yeah, that can be a little harsh and taken different ways. I can understand that. But that is because it got better because you suck less. Yes. <laughs> Or it, I don't, in other words, it got better because you're doing more right things. And I went through a period of like my that. life, I would hold on to any excuse. So now, kind of like once you know yourself, I, I don't want any near me. I try to keep that shit <laughs> as far away from me <laughs> as distance. possible. Yeah, yeah. Keep a distance. I have a tendency to, 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 go, to go and grab it. But there are successful habits. What yeah. did you, what does your morning look like? What I'm not, I'm like? not, um, I'm not a highly disciplined guy in some senses, in some sense. I mean, you know, there's people that get up and, and you know, go to the gym um, at 5 in the morning and have a goal to to answer and reply to every email by 9 o'clock so I can start fresh. And I don't do that, you know. But there's a lot of things I do. Uh, I used to procrastinate a lot. I don't procrastinate. I get things done. And sometimes I'm a little obsessive about it. Um, emails. I don't like to let an email go without any, without some kind of reply within a few hours. Hmm. Um, that's, it's a goal for me. It's a goal for me. Now, I'm somewhat flexible in this. I used to run in the morning, get up early and, and, and run in the morning. Um, now I run when I have time. I run in the middle of the day. Uh, I run in the morning. I run in the evening. Uh, I lift weights. Um, I'm fortunate I have a home office now. Um, it's nice in a way because I can do other things and work it into my day. Uh, it's also not a nice in a way because I never get to go home. Yeah, <laughs> and turn it. You're off. always at work. I in many ways. Now it'd be easier if um, all my clients work nine to five. They don't. Not one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real estate investors, as a rule, work like. 24 hours a day yeah, or whatever. I try to put bounds on it, but it's impossible, man. That's what it feels and like. And then you throw in 12-hour time zone differences with a lot of my clients. And Skype. And do, 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 so, I mean, do, it is very... So, what am I... You know, I might... My, my, one of my days might be 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting there in my drawers answering emails. And then I'll go for a run, and then I'll do some more, and then I'll make some calls, and then I'll take a drive and look at some houses, and I'll come back and I'll eat something, and I'll lift some weights, and and then I'll do this. And then at 9 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night, I've got my laptop, and I'm answering emails from someone overseas. 
So, you know, um, but that's my, uh, my goal is to not have anything backed up in the morning. I don't say I, that can wait till morning. That can wait till morning or that can wait till tomorrow. I try not to do that. Sometimes it's a proactive approach. So you just want to. Sometimes I have to do it because, you know, if I, and if I stay up on it, you know, so I try to, you know, I mean, I haven't had a week's vacation in many years. I don't. I just can't do it. But yeah, that's I don't right, even remember you know? what that's like. Yeah, but it's all right. And and because of technology really opens things up, you know, to different ways of doing business. Um, for an entrepreneur, not just for me, but for many entrepreneurs as well. Internet, smartphones, tablets, Skype. Right. Well, one thing I noticed, too, about you is... You you take networking very seriously. Like you, it's almost yes. Like, I take it seriously, but you take it very seriously. It's like almost like you willed this business into existence via networking. I'm I'm kind of an old school salesman. You know, I was in sales for so many years, corporate sales, and my dad was in. You know, and he taught me so many things. Um, my late father about business. And about dealing with people and and how you treat people in business. And, I mean, I still like face-to-face stuff, you know, and you can't always do it. Not these days. And most of my business doesn't come face-to-face, the actual business. But the networking is a chance for me to get that personal interaction in this industry but it is also how I have grown my business. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit. Did you, did you have a plan, or did you just kind of wander <laughs> in and kind of see what worked and what didn't? I, I had a plan, and you know, I've had various plans. None of them worked. Yeah, well, that's how I met you in two thousand and seven. I think it was July, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was June. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I, I said it was because you came in and. It was only a few months after, so yeah. it was summer. At Rhea McComb, yeah. and I met you. I can't remember if you were a vendor table there or if we, you or I were just wandering No, around. you know what? When we first met, it was that independent insurance agent that, yeah. that hired yeah. me to help him. And this is one of the things I did was I went to the Rhea McComb and said, we want to be a vendor. So, so you were a vendor table. So the, the first yeah time I was there as a vendor, it wasn't under my own my own uh, name actually, and that's I think that's when I met you. But then uh, that would have been you know like in July, and uh, of oh seven, oh seven yeah right 07. because it was a year later when I started my own insurance yeah. agency. It wasn't very long, right? Oh eight is when I opened my. Uh, my agency. Um, so, yeah, that's how we... Uh, Do you remember how much wow. the vendor table cost? Or? I have no, no. No. Do you have a certain amount of business you wanted to get each meeting? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but what I do is I... And what I've learned is a lot of people really try to qu- uh, quantify these things. It's like, well, I'm you know, I went to this meeting twice and I haven't gotten any business out of it. I mean, I did B&I, 
you know that. Yeah, and, yeah. And I Business was, networking for yeah, those people listening. Yeah, seven thirty in the morning meeting with you know new trade referrals and and I think it's great for um, businesses that are more general. Um, and I I did that when I first started because basically when I first you know started my agency, I was gonna sell any insurance I could. I mean you know. Put anything be- to put beans on my table on yep. my rice <laughs> you know i wanted to, i wanted beans on my rice that week you know <laughs> but uh, uh i still love beans and rice <laughs> i do yeah there's some things i don't think i'll be eating anytime soon <laughs> I still like, like fried potatoes i I'm still love fried, fried potatoes man i'm done with ramen i still have a hard time sometimes with rice I, I just ate that shit so many times. I just don't want to see it again. So you don't go to the grocery store. You go to the ethnic groceries and you buy the five pound bags. You know, for what you pay for a two pound bag at Kroger. You know? Twenty five pound bag. <laughs> yeah, the Asian mark. But you know what? Back to that. You know, I try not to really quantify in that sense. Um, Stick with something. I can't say I went to this meeting twice and I had no direct business out of it. Um, I'll be honest, RDI. Yeah. I mean, for the first, I don't know, year, I might not have gotten anything direct out of that, other than your stuff. Yeah. I did get your stuff and a few other things. But, you know, when you look at it and you say, you weigh it, it's like, all right, here's the cost of, you know, sponsoring this and here's the direct I started to do that and then I said no 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 that's not what it's about it's just about um, you got to do this just to grow the circle grow the circle of influence circle of influence so that's why I look at it you know that's why I look at networking Um, so you're looking at opportunity cost too not just absolutely the and, monetary cost. And I also time. balance things too. It's like, you know, I don't do every, you know, Rhea. There's another guy that does a lot of them. I like him. Me too. But, um, not for me, but no. I like the old school grind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, but, you know, um, I think it's nice. I mean, I've had people that I've just like, I've, I've had quite a few people that I've never done business with. Refer me to other people. I got a call. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, Jeff sent me, uh, told me you're the guy to talk to for insurance. I'm like, Jeff, Jeff, I don't have any clients named Jeff. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like, was it this guy? And then you'll see him at another uh, meeting or something. It's like, oh, I sent someone to you. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks, Jeff. You know, but, you know, so I do that. And it's just, it's hard to, to quantify you know, but I also don't want to spend too much of my time out there doing it. No. You know, to be honest, um, because I don't want to grow my business tremendously. I don't want to see the, and it's that selfish thing coming in again, you know. I'm doing more on the investment side now. So I do a lot of the meetings that I do. Different purpose now. For different purpose. You know, I mean, oh, yeah, I have insurance. I, I'm, too. A, I'm a vendor, yeah, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I have you insurance know? too if you need some. Yeah, and I introduced myself as yeah. you know, it's like I'm I'm a real estate investor and I'm an insurance or the other way around. Typically. That is something I would highly recommend. I don't think it's necessarily mandatory, 
but an insurance provider who has real estate experience. That certainly helps. It, it really does. I think it so. really does. Because they, and they're going to know what right the questions to ask to, especially if you're new and you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Which all of us are that person at some point in time, right? You're gonna you're gonna want to talk to somebody who's like, I don't know if that's a good idea, man. They got a pool, you know. I I like working with new investors yeah. too. I think it's kind of neat, you know. This is more work, more time on my part, you know. It's like yeah. Um, but you, know, you never know what it'll lead to. One young fella, you and I know. Yes. I, I even Hi, Jesse. Yeah, I had a decent <laughs> idea who that person might be. You know? Came I mean, from nothing in front of our eyes and basically six years and built an empire. Remember the first deal. Yeah. You know, the first deal. It didn't even look like a stumble at all. It's like, how do you, you know, how do you insure this thing? You know, and it's like, all right, well, here's what we got to do. And what are you going to do with it? And we went through the questions that we talked about and and this and that. And, you know, and, and, um, yeah, now he's a very good client. Yeah, and, <laughs> and his girl. a whole flipping and rental empire. Rental, too. It's, it's rental and flipping empire, and and is still a client of mine and a friend of mine. I mean, I I, I, I admire him. Yeah. You know, I'd love to see. It. I I like living vicariously through some of these. I like people. to try and think like him sometimes. That's what I like to try yeah. and do. Yeah, that helps. Well, if we're being honest, yeah. a lot of times the mistakes we're making are mistakes in thought. Yes. There's not something sure. necessarily wrong with us. We're just not thinking the correct way. Correct. And I try. He is obviously thinking at a level I have not been able to think at. Yeah. He has not made any significant life debilitating mistakes. He's a very young man. He was an entrepreneur from a very young age. He actually almost made it look pretty easy, <laughs> I know. right? But that's well, he, I can do that too. How come I'm not doing that? <laughs> he was thinking clearer and better, and you just have to admit that. At least I do. I have to. He thought clearer. He thought better. He made better decisions. If I can think like him, I can make decisions like him, and I can have success like him. Right. Right. So, and well, and that's you know, don't be jealous of other success. No. I want to know, Don't out. envy other people. Yeah. Figure out how they did it and see, you know, and then do it, you know, not not that. But that's, you know, that's a good point, very good point. And it's good for me and it has been good for me um, to get out there with these people. And, and this is one of the things I like about the uh, real estate investors, you know. These are people that are making things happen or want to make things happen. Trying to make things Trying happen. to make things happen. Not accepting status quo, you know. How many have come in, you know. Um, still have full-time jobs. Yeah. You know? Still doing this on top of a full-time job. I mean, you know, they get up and they may have kids and they have, you know, hopefully spouses on board, too. Yeah, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, you know? Um, But I think about, you know, all right, let's see. What am I going to tend to do? Or the way, how am I going to tend to think differently? If I hang out at a bar, at the bar, you know, uh, woe is me with everyone lined up, thinking how the man's taking advantage of me, and, you know, there's no opportunity out there. Or if I go to a real estate meeting and see people, young people and people making things happen, or any meeting, or any networking meeting, um, you know, which I get steered by my environment. 
We all do, I think. Our yeah, thinking absolutely. does. Yeah. Our thinking does. You know, I'm. You know, I'm going to say, "Yeah, boy, this sucks," or I'm going to think, "You know what? I can do that too." So, who you put yourself around is important. Who you surround yourself with. I would agree. That's so. That was actually something you you did consciously too. Is you wanted to be around successful people to, uh, that had to be some part of I don't know if I did that consciously at first or if it just made sense that's go where success is and maybe it'll yeah maybe it'll rub off on me yeah that was or then when you start it. thinking yeah. it right or you start seeing it you know it's like yeah they can do that I can do that. Or, or I even look in the mirror it's like you know what I did that I'm, I'm doing that now I'm growing this business. I started my own business. I'm growing it. You know, I should be positive about this. You know, not what I don't have, what I do have, and what I can do with what I do have. Absolutely. So part is, how how are you getting most of your insurance business now? Um, Most of my business comes... uh, Either directly through people I beat... Uh, or referral. So more referral. More referrals because I meet one person, that one person might refer me, give me business, and refer me to three people. Is there, besides just being attentive, and I, I know you, so they don't necessarily know you, so some of these questions I'm asking, like, that seems, you saw how I did it, but how how do you act in a way, or is there a particular way you can act where you're more likely to uh, get referrals. Obviously, doing a good job, a great job, has to be part of it. But is there something outside of that? Do you ask yeah, for Yeah, don't referral? ask for them. Don't ask for them? Don't ask for them. Wow. I've never asked for a referral. Not once, I don't huh? think. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Or I have. I have. A few you know, times. If there's anyone you can, you know, send your way. That's, and there's no re- You can't ask for referrals. You know, and I've got, I know someone, I know an insurance agent that, and um, doing mainly personal line stuff, home and auto and that. And, you know, at the bottom of her email, it says, you know, my business is built on referrals. Please keep me in mind for any of your family or friends or, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. You can ask for it. And sometimes people don't think about it unless you do ask them. But if you do service that person and you do an exceptional and you have a personality someone likes and you're listening you're open to them um, they're going to be more likely to refer you I talked to Terry Bean about you know how to yeah. generate referrals <laughs> he might be able to help you uh, he's helped me actually you know I was active in that in, in you know networking things that were totally unrelated to real estate you know, and just because to be in that environment, that networking, I like that. Um, but you can do that. Don't, you know, ask for referrals. You can certainly, I guess I I have. But I think if you go above and beyond or if you really show that you care about someone and not just trying to make the sale, like I said, I've gotten referrals from people that, you know, I haven't do, done business with them. They don't know how I do business because they've never actually done business with me. You know? You made an impression, though, then they, they had a favorable yeah. impression. But I, they might have asked me a few questions and I gave them straight answers. Or I asked them questions. 
So honesty. You know, honesty. Yeah. yeah. And if you can help someone, that's helping someone. If you can help a real estate investor further their real estate investor business by giving them knowledge, and you do this all the time. I do. You share that knowledge with someone freely. That person, you know, they don't owe you anything. No. But, you know, you transferred something to them, knowledge. And if, if the natural thing for people is to reciprocate. Yes. And if they can reciprocate by throwing a deal your way, they might just do that unconsciously. You know, they know three guys doing wholesaling. You know, but if, if Jeremy, you know, happened to answer a question really nice and take some time to talk to him last week, he might be the first guy he calls. It's actually, I, I, I do that. For lots of reasons, but one is one of the things I was really excited about when I moved to Detroit, coming from a small town, Pullman, Washington, which that's not where I was born, but that's where I lived for six years. And I started real estate there and there was nobody doing what I wanted to do there. And I wanted to talk to people who were doing it successfully, who were a part of it. And I can go check out their projects and all that. And that was one of the big draws to moving. Could have been anywhere, any bigger city, because I mean, Pullman, Washington was 30,000 people, 25,000 of which are students, and the other 5,000 are wheat farmers, you know? So <laughs> it's there wasn't a lot of real estate activity going on, and the ones I met were like mom and pop, and yeah, we bought 15 houses the last 40 years. I'm going, that's not going to get me where I want to go. And um, So when I came, when I moved to Detroit, and I saw everybody else's meetings were, were operating, I was kind of astounded. It's kind of, it just, to me, it was like we're surrounded all by all this fresh water. We just don't have, uh, with the Great Lakes, we just don't have a, a natural respect for. If you are if you live somewhere where there's lots of people, get on Meetup. Go, there's, there's somebody doing what you want to do right now, and they'll probably tell you how to do it. So I try and be that guy, so when I bump into that person. Hey, you know, I was just thinking, it's like, boy, Chris, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. Because, I mean, you've done that since you set foot in Michigan. That was my goal. That was my plan. I mean, you have given given into the investment community, real estate investment community. I think it's paid back too. You've been, you know, now you could we talk about quantifying. It's like how many dollars did you actually make? You know, running oh, RDI. Jesus. And how many times did you have to put money out of your pocket to every to, fucking year? <laughs> you know, and you say, that's you the know, idea between this too and uh, this. The podcast, yeah. and, and you've done multiple videos on you know online and 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 done that. I mean, that is not you know a direct cash flow. Uh, no, you can't do it. No, yeah, doesn't make you any money either. But I think we're circle of influence. Um, that's that's really. I want to increase my. I don't, if I just looked at the money, I would, would be ignoring. I think a lot of opportunity too. So, right. well, and you've you know you've. You know, you've been had ups ups and downs, you know, or down I mean, and up. <laughs> you know, your circle of influence shrank significantly. You know, for a time, and you know, but but you had it, yeah, and you can have it again, and you're doing that now. And those that don't accept that, you probably don't want to do business with them anyway. Yeah, there's lots. <laughs> that is one thing I am. You know that. Get your ass kicked a couple times. You're far more discriminating who you do business with. You're like, eh, I don't want that dollar. 
I don't want that dollar. I've that dollar that. comes with I've it. done that. Yeah. I've done that. And I find it. I've surprised myself. You can't just do a deal to do a deal. It has to fit with all like, your goals. I just don't feel right. That's a great question. What does Chris Mosier's goals... I, I'm, not, I'm sure you have... How do you do you have goals? You yes. Do, how do you set the goals? How do you measure the goals? How do you track the goals? My goals are constantly changing. But um, they're not... My goals... I mean, there's short-term goals, obviously, long-term goals, short-term goals. is You know, I do want to continue some incremental growth in my business. And and actually, um, the quality of my business, so to speak, um, is getting better. I'm weeding some of this. I'm sure that's not an accident either. No. 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 Yeah. No. I mean, there's some that, you know, is a lot more... Business. Not all business a lot more is equal, cost right? effective yeah. via time and you know effort and and that, but but some of that has also changed because of the real estate environment. I mean, four years ago, I mean, the city of Detroit. I don't have to tell you. Yeah, Oof. I mean, it was Wild West, right? It was. It was a Wild West. It was really I mean, bad. There was, you know, it was actually looking not enough like wide earths and too many uh, Billy the Kids or. I, it didn't look good. It wasn't the lawman. Right? I remember when you <laughs> called me and said, look, there might actually not be insurance if this keeps up. I don't know if you remember when you called me. It was yeah. sometime in 2010. You, you called me like, hey, I just lost so-and-so. We're down to two or something. And the other one's talking I mean, about was, how yeah. it was really rough looking there it for a while. Wasn't and there looking? was a lot of shady characters doing deals, yes. which actually contributed to the insurance environment. Not an obviously. accident. Not we an accident. A bunch of thieves running around. Yeah. I mean, and there's still repercussions from that. You know, I mean, there's still people. You know, I get particularly overseas investors. Yeah. And, and you know that. Um, you know, a lot of people were robbed. Frankly, yes. I mean, they're they're robbed of their money. Now, I'm not going to judge on someone that's going to send fifty thousand dollars to someone overseas for a property they've never seen before. You know, is that a smart business decision? No, no, no it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. But, but you know, we're we're still seeing some some repercussions of that. But a lot of that's weird. Uh, property management in the city of Detroit. Tough. It's tough. Best. A lot better than it was. Way better now. Um, but, you know, things change. It's getting better in some ways. But that we're back to goals. Yeah, so. I got you We distracted. were talking about goals. Yeah. But, um, you know, long-term goals, you know. I'd like to be able to uh, spend three months a year in some shack. Cheap apartment in Malaysia or, or uh, Ecuador fishing. or fishing and hanging out and with a little kitchenette and buying fruit and vegetables from the local market and fish and and just hanging out and running, you know, running and staying fit and eating right in a nice, warm, hot environment yes. instead of here in Michigan in the winter. Oh. And then come back here and, and do some sailing and but travel with Carol, you know, my yeah. my, my partner and, and um you know but so that's a long term goal. I'd like to do that. And I've got to decide I'm gonna have to do something 
um, with my agency in the next five years. Um, either bring someone in that wants to continue this business on, um, and I'm certainly, you know, going to be active in it and would be willing to be active in anything, you know, in the business. I want to stay in the business. I want to stay, get more active in the real estate end of it. You know, I'd like to pick up a few more uh, rentals, continue to do some some financing of deals. I like deep deals. I, you know, I just like making deals and make a little money. And, well, you know everybody, too. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Natural but, fit. You're or, hearing everything that's going on. And you, you know, know, or I could possibly, I mean, you know, look at, you know, becoming acquired or merger or something in the next five years. It can be needed if someone had the same interests I do in the real estate, wanted to get in, you know. What would that person business. look like? You never know who's going to watch this. Maybe they're watching right now, right? Don't have to be licensed and insured or licensed. Uh, don't have to have insurance license. You can get that. Someone, I mean, you know, you got to work. Hungry. You got to be hungry. Hungry like the wolf. You got to be hungry. Um, but, you know, and that's one of the things. I have high standards of customer service. You know, you got to treat people the way I would treat people if my name's on the on the card, so to speak. You know, so that stuff. But someone that's interested, but has an interest in real estate as well. Um, I mean, you know, a few years they could be making hundred grand a year. Who yeah. knows? You know, how do you break your bigger goals down into to, to smaller goals? So five years from now, you. You're going to want to free yourself from some of the physical limits of your business. Right, yeah. So you can travel more. Right? What I've done in, in, in my business is growing the business. And I have pretty lofty goals starting. I mean, like growth-wise. You know, it's like I got to grow this by, well, the first year. You can't use any kind of percentage because, you know, 500% of zero is yeah zero. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> But, but um, you know, I mean, looking at years three, four, five, six, seven, you know, 20, 25, 30% annual um, volume growth, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. And I averaged about that. Okay. And, and that was, that was my goal, so to speak. Was there any tracking yeah. you did or? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. okay. How'd you track it? I'm like, I got, I got. I'm the king of crazy spreadsheets, man. I got okay. spreadsheets for nothing. I mean, there's probably apps out there that would do it that I spent, you know, I could spend $1.99 on my smartphone. That I would, don't think so yet. That would do what... This might be an opportunity. You could go take these... Uh, Get my son involved. He's in... Here you go. Computer engineering. You're, He's writing code and stuff now. So. You're, you're, whatever you're tracking, put it into an app so other insurance agents could... That could be a business opportunity. Well, there's there's... There's a, a whole host of software for insurance agencies. Well, none of them really fit the way I'm doing it or what not. I'm doing, you know. So I've got a basic thing that keeps basic, you know, um, you know, uh, CRM program. You know, basic keeps basic stuff, satisfies regulators in the state of Michigan. Yeah, I've got to document it all communication. You know, which email is actually a great way to document. So I've got, you know, redundant backup systems and, you know, I got years of emails just out there. So 
remember that here. <laughs> I've actually, got it on record. But um, I log every call, I save every yeah. email, and every text. I should really. I'm not as good with the calls, and that's why I try to. Every if something is done, I here I can help you. What I do, you there's an app for this. Are you there? ready? Call track. Call track. Call track. Right. It'll log every phone call to your online calendar. So call track. Call track. Now I also log it and I also log my calls individually in the CRM. Right. That's for different tracking, but for different purposes. For different purposes. But I also every phone call that comes in or goes out, I use call track and it's automatically logged to my Gmail calendar. So that way, at least there's a record. Is it an app on your? It is. It's an app. It's an app on your phone. Uh, what if you use a landline? That I don't know. Okay. I mean, I'm 35. I don't even have a landline anymore. No, I know. So Jeez. it's. Uh, I don't know what to say there. Uh, I don't know. But for your cell phone, what's that, Chris? I don't know. Yeah, you could have your landline forward to your you cell phone. Got a fax phone. machine too, don't you? Yeah. yeah I, yes, I do. <laughs> for insurance, I'm not surprised with who you're dealing with. So, but what what's the arm do you use? Um, it's a applied systems. It's, it's actually it's an agency. Uh, Management software. Okay. So I log in policy, policy numbers, premiums, that kind of stuff. You can use it for personal information as well. I don't so much. Um, but it's to track policies and effective dates and expirations. Uh, I generate certificates. I generate, um, we call them accord applications through this system. It's the standard application forms that um, the industry uses. Uh, rather than every company, commercial company, having their own application for every different type of insurance, it's a standard. It's called Accord, A-C-O-R-D, um, and then it's it, it's uh, the best pr- practices for the industry uses that. So they Do they have an app for your phone yet? I'm sure there is. Okay. I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have one. Do, doing it, and that's why like, people. I just had this last week. It's like, you know, with the text, it's like, please don't text me. Please email me, because I can't. I don't even know how to save a text. No, yeah, it's it is more problematic to save text. Yeah, how do you archive text? I don't know. You got to get a text to... backup program. I got like thirty eight thousand texts. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, I don't know if I. Well, I'm, good. I'm a little, I mean, I, I do some of this. Stuff. I'm a little bit I'm more paranoid. Uh, in my my paranoia at this point, after what I've been through, I would much rather have like a, like one of those police video cameras on all the time. <laughs> and it, it there'd be, be some embarrassing things on there, but embarrassing doesn't land you in jail. Right, it's just, more for it's just embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> and I could be embarrassed. Embarrassed is free. Doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't lose you any freedom or any money. So. Yeah, I'd rather be embarrassed than in. <laughs> so I track everything. I'd rather now. be embarrassed than incarcerated. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm a little bit more paranoid for something I didn't do. Yeah. yeah that, that, it's in the forefront of my mind. So, right. but it, email's way better. Text is more difficult. So, where are you going with your business, man? Man, that's a good question. Who's, who's interviewing here? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Let's just stay, stay All right, on track. Sorry about that. That's a good question, though. I, I, might I like where you're going, it. though. Um, so what about... You mentioned some numbers. and Yeah, yeah. And so is there anything you, like you track specifically in your business? Um, um, 
Like for instance, I'll give you an example of mine. I know how many phone calls I need to make to put one house under contract. Right. 25. If I make 25 prospecting calls, I will put at least one house under contract. So that's one of the numbers. So, right. Yeah, contract. you do that. You yeah. know your close ratio. You know your uh, the um, the ratio of, of accepted offer. Yes. I mean, you're good yes. about that. Um, you know, I, I, I do roughly. Uh, actually, some of the companies will do that as well, provide me with that information. Like how many... Um, Quoted policies were bound, so you say, "All right, out of this this month and so on a monthly basis." All right, I you know with this company I quoted you know six policies, I bound three or okay that that time. so I look at that now. Typically, and this is interesting, a general insurance agency, you know, Jill um, State Farm down the street, you know, their close ratio on on quotes. Maybe five to ten percent. That's wow. a lot of quoting. That is a lot of quoting to do. Um, in uh, in independent agents, which I'm technically an independent agent, I I write for various companies. There is also, I mean, there's um, software you can get, and I've actually teamed up with another agent for referring. Personal lines with you know home homeowners auto insurance that type of thing. She writes mine. Um, she might write yours now, but uh, Tara. But there is software. It's a multi-rater. We call it. so you can. This software, you enter the information once. It reaches out to the rating sites for multiple companies. Comes back compiles it into one synopsis. Oh, wow. Okay. So you, as an independent agent, say, you know, I have, uh, you know, six different companies that do auto insurance, and I can get it all on one piece of paper by entering it once. I don't have that in the real estate investment. No. You know, but a lot of mine is... I ask a lot of questions, and I know my companies. I know the products. There may be, for someone in a particular situation, two alternatives I have. So, you know, I can quote those. But my overall rate of close on, on quoting is upwards of 60 70 75 80%. High efficiency. So... And that's what one of the reasons I like this end of the business. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with just me. It's just that there's limited. You know, I'm getting a, I got a vacant rehab house. There's only so many. It's a very specific yeah. product. And not, you know, you're not going to get the yellow pages out or Google and get the names of five different agencies around and be able to get a different quote from everyone. Actually, until I met you, I had the rehab houses uninsured during that time because literally nobody would insure Some me. Some don't. Yeah, but yeah. that's another. You know, for, talk for about young risk people, you had to take for young people. Made me it's sick. Like you know, it's like um, or it makes I mean, a liar out of you. Niche, niche business. Yeah, you know. Now I don't make 
you know, I don't make any more percentage on a business than someone else might. So it's not like it's a better business, but it's more efficient business, isn't it? Yeah, you found, hey, look, these people need this. They're not being served. You went out, did all the looking, like, hey, this works for these people. Yeah. Boom, boom, little niche insurance business. Don't compete directly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't sell on price. Yeah, never <laughs> sell on price. That's a that's always a bad idea. You, you, you know, become a commodity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fill the niche. So, what are you doing? What are you doing now in your business that is working? doing now in my business. And it could be insurance and or real estate. Reaching out and, and, and getting to know quality people that are doing things, that are making deals happen. Seek those people out, you know. Um, try to get associated, get to know those people. Um, I think that has helped me. Both in my real estate business and the insurance business, you know, and sometimes it's it's not. Um, this is an interesting way. Try not to seek validation for what you're doing. Try to seek a way to do it that that's already successful. Yeah. It's like I'm not, you know, I'm not like, and that's one of the things I've learned, you know, from. From failure, I think. You know, it's like, don't seek validation for what you've already made up your mind. Yeah. Original is really overrated. <laughs> I want some shit that works, you know? You're talking money, life. You're, how many years of our lives do we waste? I know it's not wasted. It's in not wasted, sense, no, but right. But there's a difference between Jesse and us. And that difference was better decisions earlier, right? Correct. And there's just no way around it. He made better decisions earlier in life and arrived significantly earlier than most people. I think one of the one of the reasons that he's been so successful is because he started out freely admitted that he didn't know anything. Yes. He's went around asking everybody asking everyone, seeking advice, talking to the people, talking to the professionals. I made that mistake with one of my, you know, one of my businesses, the big business that that failed before, you know. It's like I didn't do that. Mm. I thought I knew things. You know, I've been, you know, I've been in business for 15 years. I don't need to call a lawyer on that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to seek advice or counsel on this or, you know, even get get advice. And it's like, you know, um, just go with it and then try to, to validate your decision. You know, rather than than seeking the better way to do it. (laughs) I like that. Well, I don't want to ask what you would recommend to someone, because we don't recommend anything, get an attorney. But if you were starting today, fresh, what would you do? In what industry? Either as as an insurance business owner or in real estate, either or. If you were starting today, 2015, what, if anything, would you do differently? 
Oh, I think one thing I did do right, and it contributed to my success. I don't think I would have been, I know I would have not, I would not have been as successful in the insurance business if I didn't get involved in an industry associated with an industry that I had an interest in, which is the real estate. If I was doing other kinds of insurance that I didn't have any idea or doing all kinds in home and auto and commercial and this and that, and it was really nothing, everything was different, but I really didn't have an interest in it. I don't think I would have been as successful. One of the reasons I've been successful in insurance is because I have an interest in my niche market that I'm doing direct business with. Which is pretty much just real estate investor insurance. Yes. Yeah. These okay. days. So that was not an accident at all. You no. were interested in real estate investing. Right. And if you I were get, interested in real estate damn investing it, If insurance. I got to do insurance to make a buck, I'm going to do it in something that I okay. have an interest in. But so. there was also a tremendous opportunity in that interest. Um, if there wasn't, I don't think you I have would. lots of interest. I wouldn't have never gotten yeah yeah you, you, into the insurance industry. I don't think you know it wasn't. I didn't you know wake up and say oh damn I should have been an insurance agent. Yeah, I can still do not. it. I'm going <laughs> to use this opportunity of failure to start again as an insurance agent. It's like I didn't think that. <laughs> but you would start with something you were interested in, and then see if it was viable. Correct. Okay. Anything else? That's, um, that's good advice for your yeah, new self. What does work? My new self. I mean, there's a lot of things that don't work either. We can talk about things. Like oh yeah, that. <laughs> that'll be another. Yeah. yeah, I know. I think that you know anyone starting, you know, in business in real estate in particular. You know, most of most people watching here, you know, are real estate. Investors or some sort or yeah. interested in it. Entrepreneurial or, for entrepreneurial sure. for sure. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, and I try to tell my son, you know, talk to him about that too. It's like, you know, he wants to be, you know, well, his his mom, you know, says, no, you got to get your engineering degree. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I'm not really into that electrical engineering. It's like he's always been in. He used to build computers. You know, when he was... 13 years old, what do you want for your birthday? And he'd give you a list of all these components, to, <laughs> you know, to resistors and capacitors and all this stuff, because he was building these little microbots, you know, that things might uh, walk across the table and oh, cool. like follow a flashlight beam. So, you know, and he's like, okay, happy birthday. <laughs> You know, and this box of all this crap comes in, and, and he goes into his room and puts stuff together, you know. So, all right, you have an interest in that. Well, let's apply, you know, some higher education or whatever. So, I mean, he's in computer engineering now, which really, and I try to tell him, it's like, you know, follow something that you have an interest in, you have a passion for, you know. It's not just about the money. But if you got two things that you have an interest in, and I, I proved it because I had a passion for fly fishing, and I lost a lot of money yeah. in that industry. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you got two things you have an interest in, you know, one of them 
there's a pretty good chance that, you know, you can make a decent living at. One of them, probably not. I'd go for the one. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Or or go go learn to be interested in something a little bit more profitable. Or, or you know, that's a very good point. Yeah. Try some shit out. Try some shit out. Yeah. You know, don't, 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 don't do this, man. Just try and talk to people. Meet people. That's one of the neat things about networking and doing just, you know, regular stuff is you meet different kinds of people doing different kinds of stuff. You know, it's like, you know, you may have an interest in it. You may have no idea what the hell they're even talking about or have no interest in it. You know, but then you know you don't. Yeah. <laughs> so the next person that says, "Hey, you want to?" You know, interested. I wish I would have like, had that no. advice. I I joined the Navy right out of high school and nuclear engineer, and I hated it. I I mean, I was I was miserable. I was actually so. I at one point I remember looking around, seeing all the chiefs. They all looked fifty five, but they're all like thirty two. <laughs> They're all divorced multiple times, um, miserable, fat, most of them. Uh, yeah, you're looking at the really, calendar saying, there I am in a few years. I remember it hit me one day, and they're, they're trying to, like, hey, you should sign for that reenlistment bonus, all that other stuff. And I looked at him, and I was like, yeah, taking advice from, like, no, you're miserable. You haven't had a good thing to say about your job the entire time I've been here. Wow. Um, everybody's just unhappy and like, really? well, if I do my 20 years, I can get a paycheck for the rest of my life. I, I ran away from that. I would, it, I wish I would have had that advice to well, that's, being good at something does not mean you should necessarily do it. You should have an interest in it and you should try it before you make it. Well, then there's the point that, you know, 17, you know, and then you do get your 20 years in and then you get a paycheck and then you can do whatever you want with the rest of your oh, life. God. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't but, have made it. I couldn't have made it. Well, I I was in the Navy, ROTC. Yeah. But, you know, scholarship, full scholarship to University of Michigan. And I walked away after one year saying, uh, no, no thanks. thanks. No. I can't do this. I mean, I had substance abuse issues and other stuff, party. I was a partier. But, you know, it was why, because I wasn't happy doing what I was doing. Hey, I wouldn't have been able to piss clean in the Navy either, <laughs> let alone outside of it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, the point is that, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that's like, find something you got a passion for. At least you like, you know, or at least you like the people that are involved in that. Yeah. You know, not everyone's going to like what they do. No, and I don't think you have to like what you do all the time. You don't. I don't like what I do all no. the time. But you like it more often than not. Yeah, uh, generally. Yeah. Depending on the day, more days than not. But again, I like the people that are involved in what I do. Well, on the client side, on the company side, there's a few people I like. But yeah, I imagine that's you know, they're uh, insurance industry professionals. Come on. Well, what do you think the future holds for Mr. Chris Mosier? Do you have any plans? Anything? Sounds like you have some some yeah, five I wanna, year goals. Some I do. Goals. I, I'm, Certainly, you know, continue growing and, and continue servicing this sector, you know, this 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 market. Um, but I do. I want to get um, more involved. Do some. I want to pick up a few more rentals, possibly. Um, 
Carol is also involved in the real estate. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we have a shared, and, um, you know, it was funny that uh, now she says, now she says. Yeah. Um, I remember when you were trying to convince her the first couple of times. Yeah. Not so successfully. But now, I mean, she has a number of houses, for, and then uh, two buildings in, in Hamtramck, six units there. And, and she's, boy, you know. I should have bought when you first told me <laughs> about this industry. I could have, you I could have saved a little bit of money. Yeah. I said, yeah, but you weren't ready to do it. No. So you shouldn't have because you weren't ready to do it. You made the good decision. That's a good point. And that's why I tell you. It's like, well, yeah, you can go back and say, after you've made the decision that this is the direction you want to go and say, I should have started earlier. But how can you start earlier if you don't know that's the direction you want to go? Yeah. I did that. I started off in the wrong direction. You know, early enough. Yeah. Yeah, to <laughs> too early. over again. <laughs> too early. Yeah. And then you got to circle back, and then you got to go this, and then this. And then you're 45 years old, and it's like at the starting line. Again. <laughs> It's like, oh man, damn, maybe I better think about it. You have to compete with all those young guys, too, and gals, that hungry wolf. I did that. I did a stint. You know, I did some stints in sales, you know, national sales and and sign. And, um, you know, at one point, you know, I'm 40 some years old. And, and, um, you know, it was eight months. I was in Las Vegas at six different conventions, you know, doing that. Sorry about that. No, it's good. We're good. It's my, uh, oh, is that your emails? Oh, it They're matter. just stacking up. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's right. They're just sitting there. At least the phone's not ringing. You're probably losing business right now as we're talking. Well, what did I say? <laughs> my my, my uh, two to three hour turnaround okay. on so your, your We should be all right. We're good. You should probably wrap it up. <laughs> I'll get busy, but yeah. So, how can I would normally do this, but for you, absolutely, I would. If you have. Any Michigan property you need to to reach out to Chris? How do these people get a hold of you? I'll certainly call, you know, my office phone, um, 248-996-8904. I do respond. We're talking about emails. Um, I do take time to actually um, type out a lot on emails, too, and explain things. uh, Because a lot of people, that that's their primary you know, um, motive their work sometimes, you know, so yeah, you send them an email and they can read it when they get home. They can't necessarily talk. Uh, but email is always very good. Um, uh, website, um, what is your much. email? My email, C Mosher, C M O S H I E R at simplified insurance agency.com. And the terrible website. email. It's terrible email. It's, it's terrible way email. too long. Anyway. Nice thing about email, though, is you only have to enter it once. True. Facebook. SimplifiedInsuranceAgency.com. SimplifiedInsuranceAgency.com. How they find you on Facebook. And there's actually uh, ways through my website to contact me. Okay. Simplified Insurance. And I will put all this in the show notes, too. So if you missed it, don't worry. You can go under the description. I'll have his number, his email, and his website so you can reach out. Before we let you go, though, I do want to talk about, I don't want to make this a, a um, insurance sales pitch, no. but you do have a few unique things I think people need to be made aware of so they don't have to do what I did when I started rehabbing 
Um, two things that come to mind, and, and if there's more, certainly let me know, is you do have a vacant rehab policy for Detroit. And if you own multiple properties, you do have more like a commercial slash bank reporting system for those who might qualify. Correct. A few minutes. They need to hear about this. And maybe they're in Europe. They have 15 properties. They don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. That they can yeah, save well, a lot of money. You know, and, and I do have actually a number of companies, uh, you know, now because of this, they've dipped. I mean, they're doing vacant properties, you know, and then some companies... If you know you're going to hold it as a rental, there's a minor renovation. I mean, rehab. You got to do the hardwood floors and maybe some kitchen work and bath fixtures and nothing terrible. You know, and it may be going to be six weeks, you figure, before you get out on the market. I can, a lot of times, I can put it with the exact company that we're going to put it with um, once it's a rental, but we write it as a vacant. And the premiums more, absolutely, obviously. But once it's occupied, I can convert it to a landlord policy, and then anything that you put down on that um, vacant policy will be credited toward the new one. Um, but I also have uh, for flip, or if something's under major renovation, or the roof obviously needs to be. Uh, replaced or there's something very I mean the place is trashed some people buy trashed houses absolutely you know you know the yard's trashed the house is trashed you tear it down to the studs and start over right in that case the companies you don't put them with the company because if you write them as vacant even if you write them as vacant uh, with those companies um, they send these sneaky little field reps around to take pictures of houses. Um, and they see the house, you get a 30-day notice of cancellation because they say, well, this does not meet underwriting criteria. Yeah. Uh, the likelihood of loss is increased due to the roof falling in. <laughs> Another good reason not to lie about what you're doing, right? Yeah. So you're actually covered and yeah. save you some time. You're not getting canceled as well. Correct. Yeah. So, but then, um, but on the vacant, yeah, we can do nine, I can do 90 day, six month, which are also uh, renewable. So, we're all optimists. Yeah. I'm going to have it done in two months. So I'm going to do a 90-day policy, and then it's 120 days out. Um, so those are renewable, too. So you can renew it for another 90 days, um, which is nice. Um, you know, I've had cases where they've renewed for another 90, then another 90, then another 90. Uh but you can also do six month or annual on those. But they again, they know what you're doing. They know it's you know, and you write. I write in right in there. It's like what what's going to be done on a rehab, roof, kitchen, electrical. Uh, one of the only <clears throat> constraints I have is I really cannot insure property if it's on fuses and utilities are turned on. Wow. That's a good. There's a good reason for that, though. Uh, I've got it. It's got to be on 100, 100 amp. Make break, that your breakers. first priority. Make then. that get that done right away. Yep. Yeah, get that done right away. What about your commercial the, policy? That's, that's yeah, the commercial. Well, we call it like the, there's. It's not really there right. are true commercial policies yes. that I do. Actually, vacant rehab is on commercial paper, but um, uh, because it's considered. 
it's got the built-in builder's risk, which is the rehab portion of it. Um, now, there's commercial policies that I can do. They're scheduled commercial policies. I can put multiple properties on one policy, on a regular commercial policy, uh, like three or four. You know, you might have three or four houses in the city of Detroit rentals. Uh, they all have to typically be in the same condition or the same state being all occupied, all rentals. Um, and because they don't have the, they rate it, boom, and they actually want, they inspect too on some of those. Uh, but I also have um, the specialized, more specialized policies, the REO, I call them REO policies. That's real estate owned. Real estate owned, owned, which is was typically a term reserved for banks, lending institutions. Big financial institutions. Right. Real estate owned, meaning properties they've taken back in foreclosure, via foreclosure. Uh, But in the sense of investors, it is REI, or uh, is is REO. Yeah, it is real estate owned. Real estate owned, right? Yep. So... uh, We've actually been able to do that. And some people, now some of my clients will have, they buy and hold, but they also do some flips, um, shorter term stuff. Um, many of those policies, and I'm glad we talked about the vacant, is some of those policies don't have vacancy restrictions. So it's actually the same premium, whether a property is vacant or occupied. Um, and many times you don't even have to report whether it's occupied or vacant. It's just the property you own. You know, rates tend to be a little bit, but there's also a little higher than it would maybe for a straight vacant. But when you look at the economies of scale overall, it's a very good way to insure properties uh, because it's actually a very good way to insure um, bookkeeping-wise. Because each month you get basically, you're paying, many cases you're paying monthly uh, or annual when you add a property. So a policy will go from December to December, say. Uh, I add up a, 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 a property in July and I'll pay a year in July. So that certificate will actually be from July to July. So they don't go prorated. All right. Well, how much is it up till December? Um, and then some are actually monthly. So, uh, by the day you're paying for insurance by the day for a portfolio. And that's nice. If you've got a one that's really dynamic, you know, you're yeah, buying, you're buying, selling, flipping, and wholesale and renting. Um, but it's also nice for, uh, flow purposes because it's used smoothing out the cash flow on that. It's probably the only way I was able to afford assurance through the, through the rough years on the you know the primary you yeah. know and, and and some of the investment you know I just there was just no other way to to do that stuff so on right. on that policy that was you know all oh, of my policies renewing right I got to come up with thirty percent down or you know or a hundred percent yeah unless I want to finance the premium. Heck no. And then pay interest on my premium that I owe for the rest of the year. And yeah, it's, it's a nice way to do it. Yeah. And there are not very many people offering that. No, it's very unique and it's very simple. 
I, I find if, if I can do it, I'm pretty sure everybody else can do it. I, I'm not the best paperwork guy. I'm not the guy you would hire to do paperwork or make sure. And I, I figure this shit out. So well, that's what's nice too. But um, I'm glad you said uh, I can do it because you do as the insured. You do a, you can do a lot. You get a login on some of these where you have an interface. You can log in and see all your properties at once. You can add a property. Um, you can delete a property. You can put a claim in all through this portal that you have access to. Amazing. The Internet has changed the world and will continue to do so. Amen. Well, you have anything else? No. How's your garden growing? It's going great. This is my this best, best year. year. Ah, I was going to say that. It's my best year, best year ever. ever. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it's an accident either. It's also the year I paid the most attention to it. Yeah, as well. but you've also learned from past mistakes. Past mistakes. Yeah, I tell you what, I didn't do this year: <laughs> plant cabbage out in the orchard. My God, for whatever reason, those little caterpillars that are in the—I can't remember which ones they are—but they're in the like the. Like they make a web for themselves. Oh, the gypsy moths? Those gypsy moths, they just fall down. They're like a plague. Fall on your... It it literally looks like... Look at that, I fell right on the dinner table. They they literally do. And now I have so much more cabbage this year just because I planted it. You can't... You got to crawl. Really? You you crawl to your food. Make it a little harder. They're just falling on it. Look like I took a weed eater too. I had... um, I get the, you know, the cabbage moss. Because I don't do as nearly the volume you do. No. And they can, man, they can wipe out my... Yeah, cabbage is a tough one. Even in the yard, it does get... You know, a little cabbage moss. Those little white like, cabbage moss. Yeah, they get chewed up pretty good. But at least there's something left. Those gypsy, you call them gypsy moss? But... Gypsy moss. Yeah, they're they're insatiable. So. <laughs> or tent caterpillars. Some people call them tent caterpillars. All right, folks. Anyway. Simplifiedinsuranceagency.com. I'll put all of Chris Mosier's contact info in the show notes. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the call time. Me. Yeah, call me. Call me. You know, if you got a real estate deal, too. He's a friendly you know, guy. He you doesn't don't want buy. to give to anyone else. Yeah. You know, feel obligated to help me <laughs> <laughs> because I've helped you. Um, but no, I, I jest. But, uh, I, and you know, and many people know that. You can pick up the phone and just call me with a question. Yep. He's a very friendly guy. Don't don't be afraid to to reach out, whether you switch your business over or not. He's he's not one of those guys. He's one of the good guys. Appreciate your time. Thank you for Thank at, you for having me on. Yeah, no, these are good. I these appreciate are good. it. Um I hope I hope it helps some people too. I think it will. So we'll have to do this again though. All right. You mind if we do this again in a couple of months? No. We can do it. We can do it again? All right. I'm sure you both of I, you know, you and I will look at that and say, well, how come we didn't talk about this? Exactly. <laughs> there, I, there are actually questions I didn't get to, but I think we're at a good point. And I don't want to, you know, I'm going to have to fill up a lot of space over the next couple of years of doing this. So I don't want to work myself out. Weekly? I'm going to do one a week, at least for the first year. Okay. That's tough. That's I know. tough. It is. We'll see if Talk I get, about setting goals. 52. We'll see if I can get 52 done. That's that's the idea. If I can get 52 done the first year, that's my goal. Cool. So, and you're number two. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. Thanks for listening, guys. And if you if this is something you like, um, remember you're you're at least currently getting this free of charge. Tell your friends, share it, put it on the internet, the social medias. Um, 
go to renegadedetroit.com and or go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors. We post our meetings there. Also, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Uh, there's conversations there. If you want to post a deal there, you're looking for private money, whatever, you'll see Chris there as well. Or you go to the website, renegadedetroit.com. It's not currently updated. It's a work in progress. I'm working on it. Limited funds, extremely limited funds. And if you like, give me a follow on Twitter, at Jeremy Burgess. Thank you very much. Share. Um, if you have uh, some ideas for some speakers or some people I should interview or some questions I'm not asking, please feel free to share that as well. I think the sound quality is good, the video is good, and it will continue to improve and get better. I appreciate your time, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.